Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesota accents. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yuck, 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 yuck. <laughs> oh dear God. Um, I'm Kenyon. I'm Lucy. I'm Amanda. Obviously. And I have to tell you all something. Amazing. Oh, oh God. Oh. We know Start, about the poop. Starting off with an anecdote. <laughs> That's my move. Okay, so I'm a little slow today and really tired, and I just have to let you know why. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I know why. Uh, Yeah, you do, but the listeners don't, so I'm just going to share my weekend quickly. Oh, no. So on Thursday, today is Monday that we are recording. It is Monday the 4th. On Thursday, I get a call from my mother, who is not an alarmist by any means, but she got a call. No, she's the most chill woman ever. She got a call from the uh, senior living community where my... My nana, my hundred and almost two-year-old grandmother lives. She had gotten a bad stomach virus. She was super dehydrated. They were like, she's really not responsive. We're starting hospice. They had my mom fax over, like, Pennsylvania State DNR signed Do documents. Yeah, because my mom Department is... of Natural Resources? What? <laughs> she's well, my, a big hiker. She's Yeah, she wants to be given back to the earth, and you got to sign a lot of paperwork for that. Uh, no, but my mom oh has my power God. of attorney, and basically all the nurse that talked to her was like, you're going to want to get down here because she's really old, and she's it's not looking good. A so strong my, wind would kill her at this age. You, you would expect that. That is what is expected. So my mom and my sister and I hop... Planes, trains, and automobiles. Literally bought a flight on Thursday to get to Pennsylvania on Friday to get to see my grandma. Because we're like, okay, this is it. It's happening. And you were so sweet because you were like, I, you know, my dad died unexpectedly. I didn't get to say goodbye to my grandpa. And those were, Mm -hmm. that's like her last your last tie to your dad's side of the family. Like you were very sweet and purposeful. And like when you were like, okay, my grandma's going to die. Yep. I, I have want to be to, there. Yeah, I don't. We don't want her to be alone, and we want the opportunity to provide her some comfort and and say goodbye. So we get there. We're we're like walking down the hallway. <laughs> I turn to my mom, my sister, and I'm like, I'm really nervous. Like we're all not like crazy emotional, but we're all exhausted. We've been traveling since the early morning. We think we're going to see my grandma like in a bed on deck. Maybe door. she yeah. Maybe she doesn't know who we are. We have no idea what to expect. Was We've her doctor the, M Night Shyamalan? I wish cuz that's <laughs> Cause how that- it fucking felt. <laughs> we walk in to her room. She is bolt upright in her chair watching the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> in her nightie but still wearing all of her jewelry. And she turns and looks at us and doesn't even say hello. She just starts complaining about how late they served her her dinner. And it's no surprise that you're all there. Well, she made it. She was surprised as she started to like realize what who we were and like what we were doing. Then she started asking <laughs> questions and saying how surprised she was that we were all here. But we're not. She's like, "Why are you here? We're not going to be like because we were told you were 
gonna die <laughs> and we all rushed here we can't like say that to her so i'm like oh we all got the weekend off and thought we would surprise you <laughs> spent the whole weekend with her we come back the next day it's like 20 degrees out the doctors don't want us to take her out to lunch she's all mad that they won't let her leave the facility they were like uh you were almost dead 24 hours ago we're not gonna send you out into like sub-zero temperatures so you can go to the olive garden like it's not worth the risk your grandma is never gonna not, die. I know. Not dead. She's yeah. indis- speaking of vampires. We literally <laughs> lived. We lived the scene in Monty Python when they're bringing out the dead to the corpse cart, and she's yeah. like, "I'm not dead yet." She she turned to us, and we were like, "We heard you weren't feeling that well the last couple of days." She goes, "Oh, it's nothing bad. I'm all set." Didn't she, like, didn't she ask to like run some errands? Wasn't she like, I need to oh, go yeah. to the bank. Oh no. She kept, she was like, <laughs> Suzanne, I need to know what my, what bank accounts are open and blah, blah, blah. Like she's just <laughs> prattling on about all this shit that a, she does not even have to concern herself with. Like my mom manages <laughs> all of her finances. The stuff about the bank accounts came up about 50 times. My yeah. family thinks it's going to take a stake to the heart to actually kill her. It's like a Van yeah. Helsing level situation here. My favorite text from you over the weekend was you updating us that your grandma wants to remarry because she's not enjoying the single life. Yeah, she doesn't <laughs> like the single life. She's lonely at night. And then I also asked her if she's the oldest person in the facility. And she was like, well, there was a guy who was a couple years older than me, but he died a couple months ago. But I never really liked him anyway. <laughs> I was like, Jesus so he Christ. he was not the candidate for marriage. And also not missed, apparently. <laughs> so I freaking love her. She's what a gem. She's amazing. So yeah, Helen is still kicking. And yeah. we are now making plans for her 102nd birthday in April because apparently she's not going to die ever. God bless. And knock God. on wood. Well, <laughs> yeah, knock on wood. Amanda. Silver well, bullet. She's going to be 102. (laughs) I mean, I will be sad when she passes on, but it's not like it will be a shock. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, life's so short. We're like, what? Only the good die young. (laughs) Life's so short. (laughs) Okay, for some people, yeah. Not for you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Anyway, so if I'm a little... Slow on the uptake today. It's because I travel. I like rental car to an airport to like three flights. I've been traveling a lot over the last 48 hours. (laughs) I am tired just to not have my grandmother die. Well, soon enough, you will be able to crack into some wine and just Mm. relax. You goddamn right. We will. Um, So this week we have a very special fan pick. Mm. Um, brought to you by Caitlin Amy. Um, Thanks, Caitlin. And Caitlin, God bless. And the topic is going to be a little controversial. Um, maybe. The topic is police fuck-ups. <laughs> it happens. We're all human. It happens. It happens. Yeah, it happens. there are some bad apples. And uh, sometimes the caps... Uh, Make a little oopsies. Yeah, people fuck up. And you know what? Before we get all these, like, Blue Lives Matter emails, you can both respect what the police do and hold Mm -hmm. them accountable for their fuck-ups. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Just because some police are corrupt and do fucked-up things and are also part of a system that is racist, inherently, 
doesn't mm-hmm. mean that all cops are bad. It's just like that not all men thing. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean you hate all men. It means you want all men to be part of the solution. Right. So, like, not all cops, but all cops should be actively part of the solution to, like, eliminate a corrupt system. Just fucking saying. And right. my father and brother-in-law are both cops. Well, father-in-law retired, but... Yeah. You know, and that's one a of my tough best friends job, is a and cop. they've seen some shit. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. We do Absolutely. respect the police, but again, holding them accountable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they fuck up. My case doesn't have to do with any kind of brutality. Does yours, Amanda? Nope. I um, I have one anecdotal mention and then a short case, and it's just like the affidavit was so absurd that that's why I picked this case. Oh, perfect. So we're basically going to be avoiding... Or just not in this episode talking about police brutality, which is kind of a separate issue from police Mm -hmm. fuck-ups in my brain. I completely agree. Intentionality, yeah. Okay, so what is our wine crime pairing? Amanda. We are drinking Wink Wine Club's Debts and Lessons Riesling. (laughs) And we have chosen this before, but this is actually a different uh, vintage which means it comes from a different year. And I'm going to be honest, I am not a, an expert enough sommelier to know all of the nuances of how vintages change flavor profiles of wine, but it is important to know that they do change the flavor profile because there is so much of a close relationship between climate and then the uh, the soil within that climate and then terroir. How that, yes. Ooh. And then how that affects not only the flavor of the grape, but just how long it takes for it to ripen, if it's ripening too fast, if it's not ripening fast enough. And obviously if one year you have crazy monsoons in a certain, in a particular like viticultural area, that's going to affect the yield of that crop. And or that say crop, a polar vortex. Yeah, for real. Wildfires. So, yeah. So I always think it's kind of fun if you ever get the opportunity, and with Wink, you uh, you often do get the opportunity to try labels that are quote unquote the same, but of a vin- a different vintage, a different year. So when you get those opportunities to buy them both and taste them side by side, that's really fun because sometimes there are very stark differences between even a 2016 or and a 2017 wine of the same varietal in the same region just because maybe they had a drought one year or, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the wildfires in California, not that this is like, Oh, I'm so excited about how these wildfires are going to affect wine, Mm -hmm. but it's absolutely down the road. You're going to, you're going to see probably fewer or very different, um, wines coming out of 2018 and 2019, just because of the climate and the effect of those wildfires on the growing areas. So these are important things to take into account. And then you could even see again, from those growing areas experiencing wildfire that can change some of the structural like chemistry of the soil. So wines coming out of those regions after the fact, even after these farms have been rebuilt can also be affected. Oh, it's like epigenetics. Yeah, it's the really... The trauma is passed down. And I'm not an agricultural <laughs> chemist by any stretch of the imagination, but yeah, that's kind of how it works, and it's really fascinating. So keep an eye on those bottles. This one in particular should be refreshing, vibrant, and a little sweet. 
It's fruit forward. Um, it's balanced out by a little bit of earthiness to it, but this is not like aged in any kind of wood barrel. So you're going to get a nice, crisp, clean preservation of those fruity kind of floral notes. There's not going to be any like woodiness to this wine. Um, you should get a little candied lemon. Um, they list something called crushed rock. That is just <clears throat> referencing, I know, you don't, it's such Sand? a weird way that people will describe <laughs> tasting notes of wine. Small but that, rocks? Small rocks. But like, <laughs> li- think back to being a toddler and putting gravel in your mouth. I can't it be the only one. Toddler? I can't be, wait, <laughs> yesterday. Think back to graduation and putting yeah. gravel in your mouth. Yeah. That minerality, a little saltiness, that grittiness, yeah. that's going to show up here. Um, you're going to get some green apples, some honeysuckle, like very mm. nice kind of soft complementary flavors. Um, this little bad boy is low in alcohol. This is a tw- uh, 11.2% ABV. Perfect um, to drink on duty. Yeah, a hundred percent. So you could easily pound two glasses of this before getting on the road and starting to clock people with your uh, your speed gun, and you'd be fine. It's medium bodied, which is nice for a white wine. Just gives it a little bit of structure and ha- lets it like stand up. I feel like sometimes rieslings can be a little flat and sweet, mm-hmm. and they rely so much on that sweetness that it loses some of that body and complexity. But I'm expecting a lot of great things out of this one. Mm-hmm. And it's from our amazing sponsor, Wink. So if it's your first time ordering from Wink, A, welcome. It's the greatest wine club ever. It's an online wine club that welcome literally to delivers your new wine life. to your door. Where have you been all my life? Wink Wine Club, you're amazing. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. It really is. It's it really literally is. a lifestyle. If you have not checked out Wink before, head to trywink, that's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com forward slash gals. You'll get to peruse their amazing inventory. You could take a flavor quiz to see what kind of wines you might like if you are not super into wine and you want to do some learning. Um, And put four or more bottles in your cart. They take care of the shipping. And if it's your first time visiting and you use that promo code GALS, you get 20 bucks off your first order. I mean, come on. What do you have to lose? Wine Um, to your house. Wine without putting on a bra. Oh, my God. It's been so cold here Mm -hmm. recently that just like having everything show up by drone, Mm -hmm. which I'm Mm -hmm. sure that's not how Wink does it, but whatever, (laughs) is amazing. Um, You do not need a nice pop uh, cork screw slash wine key to get this open because it's a cracker. Ooh, we got a cracker. And I think the lovely Miss Kenyon wants a redemption round this week. So we're going to let her do the You always raise the stakes. And as soon as you say redemption or she's going to prove herself or blah, 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 my hand gets sweaty. Yes. (laughs) You do have that like sweaty hand disease. I don't know what that disease is, but you have it. Bad. All right. Are we you ready? You can do it, baby. Are we ready? Are you? <laughs> Wipe. Oh, oh. It cracked. That was ah. really good. So quick. <laughs> Amanda laughed right through it. Stick on that, so bitches. Proud. I didn't. Woo. I wasn't ready. I figured you'd struggle for a while and I had time. <laughs> nope. This that was one a safe was assumption. Bright Honey, and I'm early. so proud of you. Thank good you. job. Thank you. All right. As we are sipping. Lucy, what's our background and maybe psych for police fuck-ups? Mm-hmm. 
Not really any psych besides some prejudice we'll get to later, but, you know, like we said before, mm-hmm. cops are human, so mm-hmm. any psych would just be any for any normal person. Maybe a little drunk on power kind right. of a situation, but whatever. We're not going to get into that. Okay. Um, so first, I found a website from a law firm. So consider the source. Law's this law is blog. from a law firm. Bob Law's law blog. <laughs> Bob Law's Law Blog, findlaw.com. Oh, my Um, God. So here are some common police mistakes that can result in litigation. So the first one would be conducting a search stop or arrest without a warrant, consent, or probable cause. Yeah, that's never Mm -hmm. good. No. Mm -hmm. So there's something called a Terry search. That's T-E-R-R-Y, Terry search. And that is based on reasonable suspicion. It's a variant to probable cause, and it is a lesser standard. So oh, okay. Because I was going to say, things get tricky when it comes to probable cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why there's, like, several different categories of probable cause. Okay. So, Terry search. If police saw you in the midst of a street transaction with known drug dealers, or if they saw you running from a store holding like uh, items that aren't mm-hmm. in grocery bag, you know, like bags, mm-hmm. that could be um, a ter- that could that that generates reasonable suspicion and that would justify stopping you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then probable cause is defined in various ways, but it's essentially an honest and strong suspicion or a state of facts that would cause a prudent person to believe that a suspect committed the crime under investigation. So. I think you can parse these out a lot more clearly if you're, you know, a fucking lawyer, which we I'm not. We could probably have a whole <laughs> episode on, like, probable cause investigations. Like, that could oh, be yeah. its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's extensive. And honestly, it got really boring really quick, so I didn't really go too much <laughs> into it. Um <sighs> Police cannot stop you because you look suspicious or are of a particular color, race, or ethnic origin. That should oh. go without saying, but they, you know, mm-hmm. do it all the fucking time. I was going to say, right. they're not but supposed to do that. Yeah. 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 Um, police can search you if you consent, if you give them permission, and officers will often testify that a defendant gave consent for police to search their car, their office, or their home. Mm. Even if they didn't, because this is like a verbal one time. Right. You, just have to, you could like nod, you know. Well, and even cops wearing like body cams, a lot of those don't pick up any sound. And then it's mm-hmm. like my word against yours and I'm a fucking cop. Right. You know what? Right. Let's make it written consent. I know that wouldn't like work it. for every situation, but. Whatever. They can print time. off a fucking speeding ticket from their car. They should be able to print a little post-it that says, yeah, I let you search me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Errors by police occur when they are unable to make a credible showing that the defendant was either on the premises or was armed. So, again, these one-time, hard-to-prove, under-some-circumstances things. Or that he or she would escape if not placed under arrest. And that's called something else, and I'll get to that in a couple minutes. If consent was not given, officers may not use force to enter and arrest a suspect without a warrant. Okay, but that has to do with their property. So if they were just like on the the sidewalk, it'd be a little bit different. 
Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be their property. It just has to be anybody's private property. Okay. Like a car? Well, they can't seize a person who's just walking down the street and place them under arrest without these things either, though. Right. So it's not... You do need a warrant, specifically a warrant, to go into someone's home and arrest them. Right. Um... If a court deems the arrest unlawful, all charges stemming from that arrest may be dismissed, which mm. we know from, like, TV. Fruit of the poison tree. Oh, my God. You're so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You've watched so much SVU. Oh, my God. If anyone knows how to get me a role as a corpse on Law & Order SVU, I wouldn't have any lines. I do not need to be part of any kind of union. Mm-hmm. Didn't you, like... You almost You're in the got sag. that. You're like a SAG actor You're for just a being a corpse. Member. Yeah, I'm not, and I don't need to be one. I just want to be a corpse on SVU. It is <laughs> Didn't one you of have my a connection to items. SVU, like your old roommate? I had a connection to a casting director in New York, but she no longer works with that agency. Motherfucker. Uh, it fell through. I was so Email excited us. about that. Email Seriously. us. This is the opportunity of a lifetime, folks. I need it. I want to be a corpse. No, yeah. this is my dream. You can't have the same dream as me. You're done. Stop Trip stepping on my toes. Side. We could all do it. We'll <laughs> no, all be the corpse. No, only me. I want this. <laughs> this ends okay, our can, friendship. Okay, if you're the corpse, can I be the pathologist who performs your autopsy? Uh, that's actually fine if they will hire you, but that's where you might have to be in some sort of union because then you'd get paid <laughs> if you have lines. If you don't have lines, I, they don't technically need to pay I'm you. fine with getting paid. I want to be Yeah, but you're not going to be hireable as just a random person. Or the witness that they interview, but I'd never stop doing the really physical activity that I was already doing when they came up to question me. So, like, I'm the mom with kids at the playground, and I'm, like, unwrapping their snacks and, like, feeding pushing them. Pushing them on the I'm swing. Pushing <laughs> them on the swing. Totally unfazed that I'm being questioned about a murder investigation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Continue unpacking your groceries without we'll even, like, turning around. We'll just our own episode of SVU where we <laughs> all fulfill our favorite bit roles. No It'll main characters really represented. Episode. <laughs> it will be three seconds long. It would be a plan in the corner. Okay, we're 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 gonna move on. Are we? Um, also, really quick, Amanda, do you remember when we used to make movies like at the high school after yeah. class? Yeah. And there was one when I walked into Diana eating your corpse in yep, the in elevator, elevator in, in the, the Pagel, Pagel Center. Center. Yep, I remember okay. it. So this has actually happened. All right. So your Miranda rights must be read to you before the police question you um, or put you in custody um, or else your statements are inadmissible unless you provide them willingly. So, again, consent, but they can't um, hold you in confinement without having read your Miranda rights. Okay. Got it. And then cut, well, put you in custody. And custody is considered police placing you in handcuffs if you're placed in a locked room, or if you have asked and been told that you are not free to leave yet, technically you are in their custody. Mm. Um, Your freedom of action is restricted in any significant way. So again, if you can't leave that fucking room, you're in custody, obviously. 
or if you um, you are considered under arrest if you are in custody and are not free to leave, even if the police have not said anything to you about being under arrest. Mm, so if you're okay. just in a room being questioned, but that room isn't locked and you haven't asked to leave and they, you know, haven't said anything... They haven't arrested you or read you your Miranda or anything. Right. If if for any reason you're not allowed to leave, then technically you're in their custody and technically they have to have read you your Miranda rights. Right. But if you're just like in a room and kind of naive and being questioned and you're just willingly answering things. Brendan Dassey. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And they don't have to read you your Miranda rights because that would be you voluntarily giving that information in like the eyes of the law. Mm -hmm. Okay. That clears things up a little bit. But then that also creates gray areas because in in the case of Brendan Dassey, for that stuff to be deemed inadmissible, then he has to be deemed like incapable of having basically the cognitive prowess to provide that kind of consent of information. Right. And so, providing accurate information. Right. Period. So right. that's where all this shit gets slippery, too, because then you've got the state arguing that it's totally fine, and you've got, you know, I don't know. It all sucks. Mm-hmm. It I got to imagine that's a pretty high bar to prove some that someone mm-hmm. is, like, so incompetent that they can't give testimony willingly. Right. Right. Yeah, the Brendan Dassey thing is just so sad, the way that it unfolded. It's really yeah. sad. Um, Okay, a police report that leaves out important details can come back to haunt the officer and can hinder a successful prosecution. So some of those details, because writing police reports, I have to imagine, just blows big nuts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, you know, you can be as detailed as or not detailed as, like, what you have time for, how much you were, you know, paying attention, how much information Mm. you have. So... Some things that are that might be left out of a report that might actually impact the investigation include weather conditions at the time, um, descriptions of vehicles, firearms, drugs, or other contraband, where the witness was situated when the offense was observed. Excuse me, Jesus. The content of witness statements, the demeanor of the defendant, who else was present, what evidence was found in its condition, who had access to the evidence, which we will get to. Mm. Um, who had access to the crime scene, so you're talking contamination, all that stuff, how the crime scene was secured, so again, if there could have been contamination, then all of that can get thrown out, Mm. and then um, that certain allegations made against the defendant might not be in the report. So yeah, like that's if, a lot to keep track of. And sometimes it's like the tiniest little thing that a defendant can be like lying about. Right, And then right. they prove, like if the defendant was like, it was a clear day, and then the weather mm-hmm. report is like it was fucking downpouring. Right? What are you talking? You're talking out of your ass. I feel like writing these reports should be a group assignment. Yeah, y- yeah. Like, but it a shouldn't lot of just times, be one person. Uh, but a lot of times it's only one cop. Like, I mean, it's not always one cop. It's, it's certainly not in like an entire massive investigation, but. It's like charting a patient. Like a lot of times it's just the doctor right. is the only one in the room. And, you know, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. It sucks because that you're right. Having different perspectives and you're you're only seeing it through the lens of a, a certain individual or a couple of individuals, and things mm-hmm. can get missed or misconstrued. That's mm-hmm. what sucks about just human error in general, and that applies to police work. That applies to the medical field, to therapy. Right. Like, I mean, we're just we're human. We're not going to get everything perfect, and it sucks. And well, in a lot would- of these industries, when like their resources are stretched really mm-hmm. thin too. It would be great to to have a law in the books that says that all questioning, not just like interrogation under custody, but like all questioning has to be recorded. Has there has to be an audio recording, mm-hmm. you know? But I could imagine well, these, like yeah, these body cam laws. I mean, right? I think that's kind of what they're aiming for, but who knows? Yeah, but a lot of the, with body cams, like I said, most of them don't record sound, right? Or so you can not, like mute them. Yeah, you're not getting conversations between individuals at all. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so officers sometimes fail to find or interview percipient witnesses who are known to them and whose statements could support other evidence or could exonerate a defendant. So some other things, just not filing important evidence if they don't think that it's relevant Mm. I just sometimes you watch movies and shows where like they're collecting evidence from the scene and it just blows the mind what how much shit is in a given per, you know area yeah. and like what could be evidence I don't know right. and those kinds one of investigations person might perceive an item as as deeming important bag and tag mm-hmm. and somebody else might overlook it and not even totally think about miss it, it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. again human fucking saved- error. Every piece of paper that I touched from the ages of like <laughs> five to eighteen, this basically, really I real. have in boxes. Like every yeah. note that was, and they're in to my me, parents' attic, and they're all in Lucy's <laughs> parents' attic. God forbid there is ever a murder in that home, One, or because a fire. Your place is going to go up like a tinderbox. <laughs> God, true. get Very out true. now! Get out. <laughs> Now, it's a lot of hardwood in that home. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And a lot of cross breezes. Yeah. Concerns. It's a nice house, though. I'm calling yeah. your mom. I'm texting your mom right now. Please do. Um, okay, speaking of evidence, there is something called the chain of evidence, and that is what must be proved in a court of law to show what happened to the evidence from the time it was found to the point when it's introduced into evidence at the trial. So, so like all the hands it was passed between mm-hmm. where it was mm-hmm. logged and cataloged, where it was stored, all that stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like obviously, if if blood was collected from a crime scene, it shouldn't just sit in someone's car for over the weekend. You no. know what I mean? It's got to get to a lab in a timely manner, and you have to Mm -hmm. document who received it at that lab and what time it was received. And And you have to document all of that because it has to be, that's one of the things that has to be proven in a court trial a lot of times. Right, right. And it gets really complicated with cold cases because, like, there are instances of detectives taking home boxes of evidence to work on these, like, cold cases and then, like, leaving them at their private residences. Some ca- I read or I heard about some case where, like, the detective did this fully, you know, his only intention was to help try to solve a crime. Yeah, like, but, work on it after hours. He was trying right. to do work from home. Right. 
but I think it the it was like taken like before we knew as much about DNA. So then this stuff was like literally boxes of evidence, which was like sitting in his garage. He died. And then, like, years later, his wife died. And then there's just, like, these boxes of evidence that go oh, missing no. from the police department, you know? And it Ugh. wasn't anybody's, like, intention. But then it's fucking gone. Yeah. And now where do you even start with that case? Yeah. And now we now technology has advanced and you have the means maybe to test some of this stuff, but it's disappeared or it's contaminated or it's right. been deteriorated or... Yeah. Are either of you watching the current season of True Detective? Yeah. No. It's really good, and those actors are fucking phenomenal, but that's mm-hmm. not why I'm bringing this up. I, watched I need to add HBO to my Hulu account. It's really uh, good. Worth it. And also Game of Thrones in April. Hello. I know. Get it's coming, it. so I got to do that. And Westworld and all that shit. Winter is coming. But the scene in yesterday's episode, he goes and tries to get the box of evidence from this case that the whole season is about from their evidence room and the cop who's like because you know there's like a cop guarding the door to like sign everything in and out and all that Mm, mm. theoretically Mm -hmm. he's like Mm -hmm. he's like looking for this thing and the guard cop was like I don't know this shit gets misfiled all the time like he doesn't care and the the guy's like well I need it look in your records and he's like our records don't even go back that far Yikes! and then you have that shift from like handwritten records to right. digitized records. I'm sure right. all sorts of shit got lost. Mm-hmm. And uh, I forget what podcast it is or some, it might, uh, was it In the Dark? It was some like amazing investigative journalism podcast where they went looking for some of these records and like they had all been stored in the basement of this police department and it flooded. I was just yeah. going to say, a fucking leak or a flood can destroy yeah. so much stuff. Yeah. And it's always in the basement. It's always in like the vulnerable spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lots yeah. of room for error here. Mm-hmm. And then there's always excessive force, <laughs> which, like we said, we're not going to go into, but that's, that's its whole also on the table. Ball of <clears throat> wax. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we have the obstacle that is accurately reporting crime. In itself. Um, so this is from a 1962 article, and I know it's pretty outdated, but, you know, it's still, it's a lot of it's still pertinent. It's called A Study of Police Errors in Crime Classification. Mm. Um, so, okay, so it reads, so many factors are involved in criminal statistics after police reporting that the number of criminals sentenced to prison may be very low compared to the number of crimes known to the police. Oh, the, yeah. phen- the phenomenon of unrecorded crime is commonly referred to as hidden criminality or the dark number, Ooh. which I really like. Uh, that's a great podcast name. Hello, yeah, the dark number. Somebody jump on that. That's a gimme. I'm I'm leaving that up to you, folks. If you want to do a podcast about this, call it the dark number and just shout me out every episode. Okay, go on. <laughs> and Gossip pay at the me royalties, aka the dark number. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so the dark number and its extent is influenced by many factors of which the following are a few. Number one, willingness of the victim or other citizens to report the crime, including fear of consequence of reporting, or just like if you're a woman reporting domestic violence. Yeah, for example. Pl- plenty of cases and, and 
pretty legitimate reasons why somebody would be afraid to report a crime. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. We've all seen The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Um, two, expectation of effective police action on the part of the public. So if you're in a community that is underserved and kind of fucked over by the police on a regular mm-hmm. basis, you probably aren't going to even bother calling them. Yep. Right. Yep. Or um, if you're in a vulnerable population and are afraid of consequences. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. undocumented families or something like that. Right. Or black people. Right. Right. Um, the opinion of public of the public regarding the level of police services. So I can't. That's sort of what we just pretty said. Pretty similar. Yep. Um, physical facilities for reporting. Like maybe they don't have a fucking phone or something. Oh, right. They're yep. just not yeah. able to. Yeah. Um, accuracy and reliability of the police in classifying reports. So a lot of what we we've been talking about. Um, investigative efficiency of the police. Again, just how well they're doing their job. Um, escape and evasive behavior on the part of the criminal, arrest action, administration of justice, especially prosecution, like whether whether they ever even choose to prosecute a case. This doesn't sure. mean a crime was not committed. Or even reported. I mean, the vast right. majority of rapes and sexual assaults never reach prosecution. Yeah, mm-hmm. we talked about that in our uh, reservation crimes episode, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of under that umbrella, the probability of conviction and application of measures such as probation and pardons. So, mm-hmm. again, if they even ever go to go before a judge. So and these factors. To, back but, to the classifying of reports, too. I feel like it's it's pretty common in you mentioned like domestic violence cases for things to be really inaccurately classified as like a misdemeanor or like you know, disturbing the peace versus mm-hmm. felony assault, assault and battery. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And all of those things, I mean, again, it's just very confusing. And uh, from an outsider's perspective, for a lot of them, there doesn't really seem to be much rhyme or reason. It's, mm-hmm. There's so other much than, discretion. You know, the, 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 the defendant, like maybe it's a, a young white college student who is caught raping somebody behind a dumpster. And they just called it a misdemeanor or, like, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't mm-hmm. think that's what they called it, but still. Yeah. Um, okay. So these factors tend to reduce, often in a selective and unpredictable way, the number of offenses known to public authorities and the number of offenders relative to offense types. So, again, if they're not if they're not charged with anything, then they're, their name not isn't going to show up on a database necessarily. Right. Yeah. Not a statistic yet. Mm-hmm. Consequently, it is never known whether research conducted on known criminals is truly representative of the real universe of all criminals. The, the real Marvel number. universe of villains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so here's another article. This is from December 2018, so a bit more recent on uh, the fact that nobody wants to be a cop. That we'll is not it. surprising. It is a very fucking hard job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is from the Washington Post by uh, Tom Jackman. Quote, nationwide interest in becoming a police officer is down significantly. In Nashville, job applications dropped from 4,700 in 2010 to 1,900 last year. Whoa. So that's in just seven years. It's down less that much. Less than half. Yeah. Yeah. Math. Way less than half. 
Mm-hmm. In Seattle, applications have declined by nearly 50% in a department where the starting salary is $79,000 a year. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the FBI has had a sharp drop from 21,000 applications per year to 13,000 last year before a new marketing campaign brought an upswing. I wonder what the FBI's marketing campaign is. Oh, my God. It's the show True Detective. <laughs> they, 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 used, they fund it. They used to come to my grad school and give uh, like a recruiting seminar Weird. every year. I did not I attend. I didn't think I they'd take why. me with my back. With my back. <laughs> this idea just popped into my head that they buy the rights to use the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> and it's just like these little promotional storming videos of the Kool-Aid wall. man storming through a wall with like a little FBI like jaunty hat on. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> just making it look really cool. We'll <laughs> submit a proposal. We're now a yep. marketing company. Joe yep. Camel. <laughs> <laughs> oh if you're not God. already a smoker. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, And retaining officers once they've joined is getting harder, too. In a police executive research forum, so that's PERF is the acronym, which I'll refer to it later. Unfortunate. Okay. (laughs) In a PERF survey of nearly 400 police departments, so that's a lot of people, 29% of those who left their police job voluntarily had been on the force less than a year, and an additional 40% had been on the job less than five years. Well, you just can't shoot folks of color and get away with it like you used to, so what's the point? (laughs) I guess. Well, But yeah, like we were saying, it's a hard, hard, hard job, and you see some some bad shit. I know. There's a lot of burnout. I'm just being an asshole on purpose. Yeah, the hours are crazy. You're putting your personal safety at risk. Maybe the stress alone, the not stress. knowing if you'd come home. Yeah, my friend who's a cop was just, we were just chatting yesterday, and he was like, oh, my, my shifts are going to be changing from 12 hours to 10 next month, and I get to work from, like, 3 p.m. to 1 a.m. instead of 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., and he's, Ooh. like, super pumped about it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Does he they, see his wife? Yes, and those schedules do get rotated and there's often like a lottery almost for mm-hmm. who does a block of overnights and whatever. It, that, like his precinct where he works is very fair from what I understand. But you're right. It's grueling. There's a lot of mm-hmm. burnout in this job. You see a lot of shit, a lot of sad shit. So, you know, a lot of times it's not like action packed shit every day. It's like seeing really sad social services situations play out because you're often the first one who gets called. Right. You know, dealing with you know, the homeless population and domestic violence and children. Overdoses. And it's like, and yeah, a lot, yeah. a lot of police are the first responders on OD deaths, unfortunately. And a right. lot of them are carrying Narcan now, which is fucking amazing at about goddamn That's time. Good. But yeah. it's just, it's not, it's, it's funny to hear a firsthand experience from a close friend who's a police officer. A lot of times it's like either really boring or really sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not for everyone. No. So the burnout's got to be so fucking high. And no wonder it's hard to recruit people who have the capacity to do these jobs. And you want good people in the police force. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. still have to have standards, even if the number of applications drops by 50%, you still shouldn't lower your standards Because desperation breeds some scary shit. Like, if we're desperate for police, 
Yeah, that's And we're not just good. fucking hiring anybody because they just need people. That sets us up to be super fucked. Yeah. Yep. And they're taking down the rest of the department, those bad ones. You Absolutely. Know? Mm-hmm. You can't do your job well when your people around you are fucking corrupt and yeah. violent and just want to shoot someone. What do they and say? The chain is only as strong as its weakest link or whatever? Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't hear about... 95% of the time, if, if police officers are doing their job well, you don't hear anything about it. Exactly. It's like how we only get the bad... Yelp reviews at restaurants, not the amazing Yelp reviews <laughs> of the great service they had. Like, right. You know. Same <sighs> stakes. Definitely same stakes. Okay, I just Absolutely. have just a little bit left. Are we ready to power through? Oh, yeah. no. Yes. Okay. So at a perf gathering, <laughs> perf gathering, <laughs> gathering in Washington. Mm-hmm. It was Soup's Totes perf. Wait, in is it Wash- perf like pervert or perf like perfect? Perf. Perf as in an acronym for Police Executive Research Forum. Yeah, that's what I thought. But I was making just said a joke. Pervert. Oh, I, was I got making confused. a joke. Everything is literal to me. Okay. She was just getting us <laughs> off track again. <laughs> I was getting us off. Nailed it. Perf. Okay. At a <laughs> perf gathering in Washington of... Um, a gathering of police chiefs and commanders from across the country, many attributed their declining numbers to a diminished perception of police in the years after the shooting and unrest in Ferguson, Missouri in 2014, and an increase in public media scrutiny of police made possible by technology and social media. So, like, I get what they're saying, but I think that's kind of a bullshit to just point to that and be like, it's you know, it's their fault. Yeah, it's a bit because of a now cop we're out. being ha. <laughs> <laughs> now but we're being is. held accountable, so nobody, like everyone's. It's that whole fucking annoying, like white boy bullshit, where it's like, well, I just can't say and do anything anymore because everyone just jumps down my throat. In the it's good like, old days, no, before there was accountability. Exactly. No, you just don't get to continue to be a piece of shit. Like people are holding you accountable now. You have right. to be responsible for your actions. Mm-hmm. So right. sorry that that's ruining your life. I feel right. so terrible for you. So here's a right. here's a quote from Terry Salt, who was a police chief in Hampton, Virginia. There's an increased potential for officers to be criminally liable for making a good faith mistake. We're seeing a lot more media coverage of officers being prosecuted, and that weighs heavily on a lot of officers' hearts. That's a stressor on whether I want to stay in this position or not. Well, it fucking should be. One man's good faith mistake is another man's police brutality. So Yeah, is another man's flat-out murder over racist bullshit. Yeah, I'm fine with increased... I mean, we need increased accountability. One thing I will say is that, like... Something that I fear is fewer people of color wanting to join the police force, like qualified, mm-hmm. you know, strong candidates not wanting to join the police force out of like solidarity for some of these movements that sprung out of the Ferguson protests, like Black Lives Matter, when in fact, like, we need those folks. To try what a to perfect join the force. segue to my last paragraph. Oh, okay. <laughs> which the head the header for is, and this is fucked up, which I wrote oh, not this that was not from the Washington Post article. <laughs> but this is 
Okay. The videos of police misconduct and fatal shootings have damaged the perception of American police officers, but not irrevocably, said Antoinette Archer, Director of Human Relations for the Police Department in Richmond. Many people are, quote, taken aback by the brutality, not by the profession, she said. If we can be inclusive of women and people of color, those individuals who can see a part of their fabric in the department will come forward. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming, and like mm-hmm. a, pla- you know, want to be a police officer. If the environment is not inclusive, you're going to lose them. And exacerbate so, the problem, the issues. So going yeah. back to this perf forum survey, um, when the head of the perf think tank in D.C. asked the room full of police chiefs if anybody had a problem recruiting for diversity, every single hand went up. No. So it didn't really talk any more about that specific fucked up moment in one of these forums in this article, but just that alone kind of shows you that hey, there are avenues that we can take to change this culture of consistent brutality, seemingly. I can just hear a room full of white men talking like authorities on affirmative action and how that doesn't work and yada, 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 which, like, okay. Right. But I can just, I can just, like, I can fucking hear it. I can fucking hear these, like, gross justifications for why diversity is, is less important. Absolutely, but eyes. you do need the applicant pool to to work from at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely, no, and I totally agree. I could see agree. I could see that dwindling a little bit, given everything that's going on. That's been going on forever, but is now more in the public eye. Um, and that's it's really just sad that this is a possible solution, and no nobody within at least this survey wanted to even consider that. Mm-hmm. Well, everything, the only way that change ever happens is from dual forces, both external and internal. Like, yes, we need to be putting pressure on police forces and the government to do better and hold them more accountable. But we also need those departments to transform from within, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So it's hard. Lots of work to do. It's yes. diff- it's a difficult problem to solve, but you know, it has to be solved. All right. Well, are we ready for a little sponsor break? Yes. Booyah! You're a fan of wine and crime, I hope, because <laughs> you love true crime. So I bet you'd even call yourself a true crime junkie. Mm-hmm. See what we did there? Mm-hmm. And if you do call yourself a true crime junkie. We have some great news for you. You can get an extra fix of true crime in between our episodes with a show we love called Crime Junkie. Amazing. Crime Junkie covers all kinds of true crime cases involving serial killers, murders, missing persons, and conspiracy theories. They put out an episode um, around Christmas uh, about Chris Watts, the guy who murdered his family out in Colorado. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, That episode was wild. We highly recommend you check it out. Uh, I also have been listening to uh, a more recent episode about uh, the serial killer, Dr. No. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I love that case. They cover, Crime Junkie covers great cases. Definitely check them Mm -hmm. out. For sure. 
And they do have a pretty decent back catalog right now. They have over 65 episodes that you can go binge, get your binge on. And they have over 10,000 five-star reviews, so we know you're not going to be disappointed. Crime Junkie releases new episodes every Monday, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Just search for Crime Junkie, that's Crime, J-U-N-K-I-E, to get your true crime fix. Treat your ears. Get it. Using millions of real women's measurements, Third Love designs its bras with breast size and shape. In Important. Mind. Yes. For an impeccable fit and an incredible feel. Yep. And, you know, focusing on finding what's going to work for that shape mm-hmm. is important. And that's why Third Love has created the Fit Finder Quiz. You answer a few simple questions to find your perfect fit. And again, over 10 million women have taken this quiz today. So they're compiling a lot of really useful data. It's actually really fun. It takes mm-hmm. less than a minute to complete. I did not know any of this stuff about the shape of my breasts until I took this. I have so many, like, new vocab words for the shape it's of my breasts. It's like, yes, I do have some east-west polarization going on. I do. And the shape matters when you're finding a good fit for your bra. So Third Love helps you identify your breast size and shape and find styles that fit your body. It's amazing. And once you do have the style and fit that's right for you, the comfort and quality is unmatched. This is hands down the most comfortable bra you'll own. They're They have tagless labels, so you're not going to get itching. Mm. The straps don't slip. They have ultra soft smoothing fabrics, lightweight fabrics, thin memory foam cups. Like nothing about these bras is bulky or itchy or uncomfortable. I really love mine. And there are a bunch of different styles that are going to work for you. So part of my Fit Finder quiz, they talked, they asked like what issues you might uh, come across with your bra. And mine is always like... I'm either getting a little gap in the front of my bra Mm -hmm. or I'm getting like boob spillage. They never fit right. These guys offer all kinds of different fits that are going to help you combat that. So I got a special bra that is specifically to make sure you don't have gaps or spillage. Mm -hmm. And it looks so great under t-shirts, which like you can't see any of the seams of this bra. It's amazing. And I have definitely accidentally slept in this bra because it's that comfortable. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. That's incredible. It doesn't. It's life changing. So Third Love knows that there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com forward slash gals now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com forward slash gals, G-A-L-S, for 15% off today. Treat yo east west boobies. Yeah. So, my case, uh, the fan, Caitlin Amy, chose this case. It is a bit of a doozy. Okay. As they um, always are with you. Thanks yes. a lot, Caitlin. <laughs> no, it's a really famous case. It's very well known. Um, it's also really convoluted and sort of confusing. So, like, stick with me. I am oh, halfway God. through this bottle of wine. This oh, is not no. a departure from any of your regular cases. It's true. It's true. Um, also, I just want to put this out there. It is a well-known case. There are a ton of details and information. I'm not going to have time to get to all of them. Please don't send us emails of like, but you forgot to mention big. There's like a lot out there that I couldn't get to. Okay. <laughs> 
All right, I've read Kenya it. Kenya says this as though we've gotten emails like that before. It's just I know <laughs> you're trying to be helpful. We have a different model than some shows. We don't yeah, have we're three not episodes deep divers. to go into one case. We are not deep divers. Okay, so of course I am talking about the Wineville Chicken Coop murders. Yeah, of course, of oh. course. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. What else could it be? Um, all right, so Gordon Stewart Northcott, a.k.a. Piece of Shit. A.k.a. a name that makes you born to be a serial killer. Yeah, Gordon. Ugh. Uh, Gordon Ramsay born... is the only acceptable <laughs> Gordon. <laughs> serial killer Gordon Ramsay, Ramsay is the only one I will <laughs> tolerate. Um, I would support that, though. I me love too. Gordon Ramsay. So do I. It just Flawless. becomes a Hunger Games type situation <laughs> where, like, the worst chef gets eaten and cooked by other like, chefs. He's too angry to be a killer. But oh. then he's so nice on, like, the kid version ones. I know. I love it. <laughs> Anyway. Okay, he was born in Saskatchewan. Classic. In 1906 and grew up in British Columbia, Canada. Minnesota's hat. <laughs> in 1924, when he was 18, he moved with his parents to a rural area outside of Los Angeles, which is present day... Jerupa. Los Angeles. <laughs> 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 Jerupa Valley. Also, cue the emails correcting my pronunciation of everything in California because I. San Junipero, Black Mirror. Let's just watch that and cry for hours. Totally following you. Okay. His father purchased a plot of land for Gordon in Wineville, California. And the young man uh, built a chicken ranch with his father's help. So he's getting his son, like, set up for adulthood. Uh, Gordon also enlisted the help of his young nephew, Sanford Clark, who was about seven years his junior to help with the ranch. So at this time, Sanford was like 11 years old. And Gordon was like, yeah, I need him. He needs to come live with me and help me out at the chicken ranch. Um, cue eyebrow raise. Yeah. Sanford was still living in Canada with his parents at the time, but the family was convinced to let him go south and live with his uncle Gordon and help out on the ranch. Okay. Well, as it turns out, good old uncle Gordon was a fucking pedophile monster. Hmm. Saw that coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 11-year-olds can't do stuff on a ranch like that. Right. Yeah. In the 20th century. It's ridiculous. Um... He immediately began to sexually and physically abuse his nephew, Sanford. Fucking great. But he also forced his nephew to help him abduct, torture, and murder other young boys. Fucking great. This sounds like that Craigslist killer that you did. Yeah, it does. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. In this instance, the Craigslist one, it was a little more psychological in that the teenager who was helping the main guy, I can't remember any of the names, um, really looked up to him and looked at him as like a father figure and all this stuff. This is more of a case of like an 11-year-old is sent to a different country 
right. and is immediately physically and sexually abused and like fears for his life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he's doing as he's told as a survival right. technique. Right. right. And he's very young. He's 11. So he's super um, impressionable. Yeah. So <clears throat> on February 2nd, 1928, the headless body of a teenage Latino boy was discovered wrapped in a burlap sack and discarded in a ditch in La Puente. Hmm. The boy had been shot in the heart with a 22 caliber rifle. Mm-hmm. Then on March 10th, 1928, nine-year-old Walter Collins disappeared from the corner of Pasadena and North Avenues in Los Angeles. Nine years old. So sad. His mother, Christine Collins, had given him some pocket money to go to the movies. Oh, honey. I think it's always... The pictures. The the pictures. Go to catch the Nickelodeons. It's so eerie, like, if you can say a person disappeared from this exact spot. It's like yeah. they were abducted by aliens. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, well, he was, like, seen on that, standing on that corner at 5 p.m. and then never seen again. Jesus. Um, and just two months later, on May 16th, more young boys went missing. 10- and 12-year-old brothers Nelson and Lewis Winslow never returned home after attending a model yacht club meeting. Oh, my no. goodness. Like those little, like, racing, like little mini racing boats and, like, ponds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking quaint, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, after the boys went missing, uh, the family received weird letters that were supposedly from their missing sons, but, like, Oh, that is sick. Weren't, yeah. Claiming that you know, they decided to run away from home in order to become famous. Like, okay, I can understand the logic behind writing those letters as the abductor because you want to get the heat off of you. So it's like, oh, we ran away. Right. But to take someone's child and then impersonate that child in the hope that the parent will just stop looking for them so that you can continue to use that child for your sick fucked up shit right is so gross and horrible well it was kind of uh gordon's mo and we will get to it great cool at the time the lapd were already under investigation for numerous corruption scandals and this meant that they were under a lot of pressure to solve these highly publicized cases in particular the walter collins case so of course the Poor Mexican child, and it was later proven that he was Mexican, um, didn't get that much press attention except for the fact that it was a headless body. Um, mm-hmm. But the Walter Collins case was like national news. Uh, at the same time, the police didn't immediately connect the dots of all these cases of, of missing young boys. So they didn't necessarily think that they were related. Right. Walter Collins's father was serving time in prison at the time of his son's disappearance. And the working theory was that enemies in prison had arranged the kidnapping um, of the boy as a form of payback for Mr. Collins, like snitching on their jailhouse infractions. Okay. Because he worked in, I don't know, he, he worked in some job in the prison and, and, 
part of his job was reporting these infractions. And so he obviously wasn't like super well liked in prison. Uh, tips from the public also poured in, but many of these seemed too fantastical to be true and none of them really led to anything. Um, a gas station attendant in Glendale said that he saw the dead body of Walter Collins wrapped in a newspaper in the back of a truck belonging to a, quote, foreign couple who, oh, were, asking, who were asking for directions. Um, that didn't lead to anything, but it did take up a lot of, like, police time and attention. Wrapped in a newspaper. Must have been a big newspaper. Right? Yeah, that was my thought. Um, then in August, cops in Illinois picked up a boy who said that his name was Arthur Kent and that his father had just abandoned him. The police placed the boy with a temporary foster family, but not long after, the boy began claiming that he was actually the famous missing boy, Walter Collins. Oh, God. If this turns out like that documentary that well, we talked about with the kid who's like, who was found in like Spain and he pretended he was like actually French and he pretended to be this missing boy in the States and like destroyed this fucking family and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I'm that's a be good documentary. It's a though. really good documentary, but that I'm was great. We did cover that in an episode. I don't yeah. remember what it was like identity theft or something. Yeah. 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 Um, well, it is like that. Um, great. <laughs> Illinois police sent photographs of the boy to LAPD and then they showed these to Mrs. Collins. She immediately said this was not her son. This is not Walter. Okay, so that should be all you need. The mom saying it's not my fucking kid. But fucking patriarchy. You're just a crazy woman who is blinded by grief. You can't even tell that it's your own child. The police, or the police somehow convinced slash gaslit the grief-stricken mother that she wasn't yep. thinking clearly. Knew it. And I to fucking quote, knew it. Try the boy out for a while. No, that's a quote. Mm-hmm. Oh, is this the my plot God. line to the changeling? The changeling. Correct. Yeah. It is. Yeah. That's what this is based. On. That's what this movie is based on. Yes, it is. Holy okay. shit. It's like, this does sound familiar. And I do remember watching that and being like, oh my God, this is a true story. And the yeah. cops are fucking awful. Yeah, yeah. It's so bad. It's actually, I, well, I saw The Changeling. I don't remember if they covered the rest of it. I was going to say it's actually worse than the movie, but I don't know for sure. But anyway, it's really fucking bad. It gets worse. Okay. The boy claiming to be Walter was sent from Illinois to Los Angeles and lived with Christine Collins for three weeks. Okay. But she knew this child was not her missing son, and she finally brought the child back to the police station along with Walter's dental records to try to prove that this was not her missing kid. Right. Like, fuck yes, lady, get it. Oh, my God. I can't imagine how that would feel as the mother. Can't, Infuriating like, and, I, I, like, the rage boiling my blood right now is only a fraction. And also but horrifying then, and also, like, such a fucking mind fuck. 
Because yeah. you the want grief. it to be your kid. Like, you right, want it. Right, but you it. know it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, my God. And to have a little child be like, what? I'm Walter. Oh, it's so fucked up. It's, like a it's so fucked horror up. Movie. There actually is a new horror movie coming out, and I forget what it's called, but I watched the trailer the other day, and it's kind of this. Yeah. Like, this woman's son is, like, all of a sudden, like, not her fucking son. I'm not yeah. ready. I'm never <laughs> having children. Ever, 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 so, ever. It's so fucking gross. Okay. So, prepare to be really enraged. The police captain, whose bright idea it had been to just try out this other child, uh, was annoyed by Christine Collins's protests, and he felt that her protests embarrassed the police department. So he had her committed to a psych ward. No. Jesus Christ. Hysterical woman. Mm-hmm. Can't mm-hmm. see her own child right in front of oh her. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Amanda, you'd be in a psych ward so fast. So oh my fast. God. Yeah, just go ahead and change my address now because I will be <laughs> receiving all mail at the psych ward. This was apparently a routine tactic. To, tactic. It was called a Code 12 for dealing with, quote, troublemakers, including, quote, difficult women. Cool. And then, yeah, I was, I was just mentioning that it is the movie The Changeling. Okay, meanwhile, back at the ranch. In August 1928, two years after Sanford, the abused nephew, arrived at the ranch, his older sister, Jessie, back in Canada, was becoming increasingly suspicious of the letters that her brother was sending the family. So she was like, I don't know. Something's not right. Is, yeah, this is, he's, like, too cheerful. This is not correct. Something's going on. I'm going to go check. Good job, older sister. Yes. So uh, she decides to travel to L.A. to visit her brother at the chicken ranch and check up on him. Mm-hmm. Good and girl. She, yes, good sister. And she ends up staying a few days, and one night while Gordon is asleep, Sanford confesses to his sister that he feared for his life and that he'd been forced to help Gordon kill four young boys. Oh, my God. Dang. And this kid's still, like, nine, ten years old at this point, right? Uh, no, he's a little bit older at this point. Um, but still a child. He's like a tween. Yeah. Yeah. Jesse is, so he's, pro- he's probably 13 at this point. 13, okay. 14. Yeah. Jesse is also terrified of Gordon. Um, and I read somewhere that Gordon attacked her, but I don't know exactly what happened. Um, but as so she gets the fuck out of there. She t- can't take her brother with her because she's scared of Gordon. Mm-hmm. Mm. She gets back to Canada and she tells her mother everything and convinces her mother to call the authorities to report Gordon, who's a okay, fucking good. family member. Yeah. So they call the yeah, American... Yeah, their uncle, right? Her uncle and then her mother's... Brother. Brother. Yeah. Uh, they call the American consul in Canada, and then the consul sends a letter to the Los Angeles Police Department. The LAPD dithers a little bit. <laughs> and I'm shocked. 
finally, they decide to investigate the immigration status of Sanford Clark. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. So on August 31st, 1928, Gordon Northcott observes the vehicles of the U.S. immigration agents driving towards his chicken ranch. And he flees into the tree line surrounding the property. So he knows, like, oh, shit, something's up. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Right. But before he leaves, he threatens his nephew Sanford, saying that if he fails to stall the agents, that he was going to, like, sniper shoot him dead from the tree line. I mean, first of all, sure, Gordon, you fucking idiot. Like, right. your aim is that good. But second of all, fuck you. You're a piece of shit. But also, like... Sanford is traumatized and a child and terrified. Yeah. So Sanford manages to stall the agents for two hours, giving Gordon ample time to get away. Uh, But he finally decides to tell them the full story of his torture at the hands of his uncle. Yeah. The, the agents take Sanford into protective custody and he reveals information to them about the horrific abuse, the other abducted boys, and the string of murders. Mm-hmm. Sanford also spoke specifically about the Walter Collins murder. So this is what Sanford told the agents and what probably went down. Gordon's mother, Sanford's grandmother... Sarah Mm -hmm. Louise Northcott lived about an hour's drive away from the chicken ranch. And at some point she came to visit her son and grandson. But during her stay, Gordon wouldn't let her go near the chicken coop, which was odd. She grew suspicious and decides to go investigate for herself. I'm imagining like she wanted to go collect eggs for breakfast Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there is little, little Walter Collins, still alive. Okay. What decade is this? This is 1928. Four, 28. So I guess, okay, not... Holmes wouldn't necessarily have a phone. Probably not. Because my first instinct is like, bitch, what the fuck? Call the police. But a lot of times, especially in small towns, like the na- the town, like uh, what's it called? Not convenience store, but you know what I mean? Like general, general store, store would be yeah. the only phone in the entire fucking area. Don't worry. She was not so uh, morally inclined. Yeah, because uh, clearly she fucking knew he was there and this didn't get reported. So what the fuck did this bitch do? Mm-hmm. Okay. So she sees this nine-year-old boy who she recognizes from the papers as being a kidnapped child. Locked in a chicken coop that your brother told you, like, forbade you to go into. That your son forbade you to go into. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, your son. (laughs) Probably at the instruction of his uncle. Right? No, 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 no. Gordon is her son. Oh, okay. I'm getting confused. She's she's the mom of the bad dude and the grandmother of the... Little nephew guy. Grandmother of the nephew. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now so I'm on. Now we I'm can on make it. you a chart if that would help. No, There's I actually- heard mother and <laughs> dropped the grand. 
There's actually a chart on the drive if you need. <laughs> Wait, are, did you actually make a chart? I did not. Wikipedia did, thank God. And it was oh really my. helpful. Y'all, um, there is a chart. I'm just leaving this open for the rest of your case. Okay. So Sarah Louise finds Walter Collins. He'd been held captive and abused for several days at this point. According to Sanford's testimony, Sarah Louise then decided that Walter Collins, quote, knew too much. He's 11. Yep. Well, he would be able to identify her son, Gordon. And so That's he true. had to go. Oh, oh my no. God. No. Sarah Louise didn't want to alert neighbors with a gunshot, so she opted for the three of them, so her, Gordon, and Sanford, to beat little Walter to death with the blunt end of an axe. What the fuck? Jesus. That's the and best was, solution? Yeah, that there was, are other ways to quickly kill someone without using a gun. So... While he was sleeping, they decided to start beating him with the blunt end of this axe. Sleeping in the chicken coop. Oh, my God. This is so fucked up. It was important to her that all three of them take part in the killing so that they'd share the guilt and wouldn't implicate each other later oh on. God. Okay. But obviously her theory didn't work out so great. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we have testimony from Sanford. The, the nephew, that Walter Collins was murdered. But the LAPD chooses to completely ignore these facts and stubbornly claim that Christine Collins is crazy, the mom of the missing yep. boy, yep, and that this boy that they found in Illinois is, is Walter. Fuck everything. This is so fucked up. Yeah. So fucked up. So they bring in a handwriting expert to analyze the boy's writing against samples from before Walter went missing, which is like 1928. Good on you. That's a good. Yeah. Forensic technique kind of. Yeah. Or investigative so, technique. The new child wrote his R's in a really peculiar way. And it was discovered that this style of writing an R was typically taught in. Illinois. Can we also fucking Weird. talk about how this woman who birthed and raised her son initially even brought in dental records as corroborative yeah. proof to her suspicion that it's not her son. But the fucking handwriting analysis is going to be what, you know, proves I it. They might not I, have even looked at the dental records. I yeah, don't just because she did. fucking presented them. I don't think they even looked at them. I think that they brought in this handwriting expert thinking that it was going to prove inconclusive or going to, quote, prove that it was the same child. Yeah. And didn't realize that they were going to shoot themselves in the foot and the handwriting analysis expert was going to come back and be like, def not the same kid. Sure. That's very possible. You know? Mm. The R saves the day. Well, finally, the boy admits that he is not Walter, that he made up the story in order to get away from his stepmother and also get to Hollywood and have a chance to meet his hero, who was an actor known for doing cowboy roles. What the fuck so is wrong with everyone? Almost he 
did run away to become famous. Become famous. <laughs> totally right. separate. Totally separate. Oh because God. that was the other kids. But yes, exactly. But this kid, I mean, he had a horrible childhood to begin with. Like, his father was a piece of shit. And, like, his stepmother sounds like a piece of shit. And he was traumatized and ran away. But pretended to be this other fucking missing kid. Yeah, it's all it's all fucked up it's all from fucked every up. corner. So they have Sanford's testimony that Walter Collins was murdered. They have the handwriting analysis expert saying, not the same kid. They have the kid admitting he's not the same kid. I wonder if the police are going to finally admit they were wrong. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> Special thanks. Still, the police keep Christine Collins in the psych ward for another 10 days. Jesus. Stop it. Following the confession and even the return of this imposter child, Arthur Hutchins, back to Illinois. Ugh, and for the record, you do not want to be on a psych ward like pre-1999. I'd say <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, nowadays, so- nowadays, we have a better scope of understanding of actual mental illness and how to treat it. But like certainly in the 20s, these were not good places to be. Just and this chain is where, you to the it, bed until you stop screaming. Right. And they literally were just putting this woman away because she was a nuisance. She did yep. not have a mental illness. She did no. not need psychiatric treatment. Nope. They wanted her out of the way. Yeah. That's some fucked up shit. It's so fucked up. Okay. When investigators return, so this is all happening simultaneously, hence why it's like a convoluted case and like, the timeline. I'm just like trying my best here, people. You're so, crushing you're it. I'm very proud. Job. Thank you. So investigators return to the chicken ranch and they discover three shallow graves near the chicken coop exactly where Sanford indicated that they would be. Mm-hmm. But the graves only contained remnants of human remains, including oh, 51 no. scattered bits of human bones and blood which investigators determined were all from male children. Okay. So they're just like leftover bits. Woof. No, I don't. mm, Okay. I don't like where this is going. Mm -mm. Yeah. So Gordon had sprinkled quicklime over the bodies to make them deteriorate faster and to destroy evidence. So that did a lot of the work for him. And then, because quicklime is basically like acid. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, we know. Yeah, yeah honey. <laughs> <laughs> but then when his mother, Sarah Louise, came to the property and discovered Walter and, like, Gordon was like, oh, God, shit is hitting the fan, Sarah convinced him to exhume the bodies and then rebury them all in the desert off the property. Ooh. All right, so we're relocating everything. Yeah, so they relocated everything, but... The bodies had been, like, fucked up, smashed. Like, Gordon had, like, beheaded the that Mexican child, and we'll get to his name, the name of that victim, and then had, like, smashed the skull into bits. So that's why there were, like, leftover bones that they didn't exhume. Uh, 
axes and other farm implements were also found around the property with human hair and blood still on them. Oh, my God. Clean up after yourself, for God's sakes. For God's sakes. If Sarah Louise had been there from the beginning. Seriously. It's hard to clean a crime scene thoroughly. Yeah, but wipe off an axe if there's still chunks of, like, blood and skin and hair and on hair. it. Yeah. That's not, yeah, but like, if it's an old destroying axe. all the evidence that's, like, not even trying. First of all, Don't this is a guy it. cleaning. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. And pre-DNA awareness. Yeah, and if it's an older axe, you're going to have, like, chips and dents in the blade of the axe. I can see how hey, shit I stays understand. behind. I'm just saying, do better, Gordon. Right, yeah, do better. Do fucking better. <laughs> uh, you call this filet mignon? Um, <laughs> Shut it down. Pedestrian at best. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> okay, they also found a library book that had been checked out to one of the Winslow boys. Oh. So that was pretty damning evidence. And also uh, a lot of Boy Scout badges and also letters oh, to the children's parents. Oh, that Ew. fucked up shit. Yeah. So it was like, okay, you fucking killed all these kids. Uh, meanwhile, Gordon and his mother, Sarah Louise, have fled and they're on the lam. So Gordon fled the property when the agents were approaching. He must have gotten to a telephone, called his mother, because she was not currently at the property. She had just left. And then they both are on the lam. Okay. But on September 19th, I've also seen reported September 20th, 1928, Gordon and his mother were both arrested in different parts of Canada. So they weren't together, but they were arrested on the same day. Got it. In police custody, he finally confessed to five murders. When Sarah Louise was captured in Alberta, she confessed to Walter Collins's murder. But mo both mother and son later retract their confessions. Okay. In the end, Gordon Northcott only admitted in writing to one homicide, and that was of the Mexican child who it was later identified as uh, Alvin Gothia. Mm, honey, little Alvin. A little Alvin. I don't know how they ID'd him, but they, they managed to, which is, which is good. Um, so Gordon and Sarah Louise are extradited from Canada back to California to stand trial. At trial, Gordon Northcott fired successive defense attorneys and finally opted to defend himself. Always a good decision. Ugh, what a fucking idiot. It's like but like good. Number Make one nice sign easy of us. a fucking psychopath. Yeah. I'll be representing me. Yeah. I'll be representing myself. I'm Ted Bundy. <laughs> I've got uh, you this. fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. It's like you, oh my God, you're such a fucking psychopath. All of the photos of him, he's like smirking. Oh, he's so gross. Uh, he's, he's so gross. So disgusting. I'm assuming okay. you both watched the Bundy tapes. I haven't yet. I'm saving it. I only watched the first episode. I'm not that into it, mainly because I've already, like, been through a Bundy phase of reading mm -hmm. everything I could find about <laughs> him. And so now it's like. That was a long nah. phase. You're burned out. <laughs> long phase. 
I don't know. I'm not that into it. Also, I do not find him attractive, so... No. No, yeah. I don't either. There was... There were... There's some interesting information in there, like, uh, when they caught him in Florida and they, like, didn't fucking recognize him and just, like, his weird appearances throughout his various... Wherever he went, but... Yeah, he could really transform his appearance, it like, drastically. It mm-hmm. was kind of amazing. Yeah. I am excited to see the Zac Efron movie and not... Yep. Not to reinforce this idea of, like, fetishizing serial killers because there's a lot of conversation about that. But I do think right. in Ted Bundy's case, that played a big role in how everything turned out. The fact that he was attractive and charming and all that. So... Yes. I don't know. I, I agree. I'm excited to see that as well. And I'm not someone who fetishizes Ted Bundy. Like, he's just a monster. I am someone who fetishizes Zac Efron. <laughs> so I will be front and center <laughs> with a blanket on my lap. Ick. <laughs> with a moving on. adult diaper. Okay. You've been so- warned not to masturbate in public theaters, Amanda. Oh, but Pee did it. Why can't I do it? Pee ruined his career. (laughs) We have the trajectory of Pee Wee Herman. Okay. I will take it. That's how you bring down our company. (laughs) Single-handedly. Literally. (laughs) Literally. I only need one hand. (laughs) Both went there. Okay. (laughs) So... Single-fingeredly. Nailed it. Sarah Louise (laughs) testified... And later, like, in defense of Gordon, her son, and later claimed to be Gordon's grandmother. Okay. How Mm. fucking easy is it to lie about your relatives in the 20s? In the 20s, when there's, like, very little record keeping that's accurate. I know, but it's just, like, rampant in this story. Well, she might have been his grandmother because she claims that her husband raped their daughter, Winifred, who became pregnant with Gordon, and then Sarah chose to raise her grandson as her son in what I theorize Sarah Palin did. Oh, my oh, God. <laughs> Wait. Wow. But the, her Just daughter so actually did have a baby. No, we don't know that. Uh, Sarah, Sarah Palin. Palin. He's saying she's saying Sarah Palin's daughter actually did. Yeah, have a baby. but before that, they had a little baby called like Trigger or whatever the fuck they <laughs> named their children. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know where she was like 43. I'm totally pulling all of this out of my ass, but she trigger. was older and <laughs> had a baby. Trigger. And Crystal was like 14, and it was like, hmm, hmm. Yeah, I do recall that. I'm also only familiar with Bristol Palin because of Teen Mom at this point. It's like their moment is over. Yeah. I'm just, I don't know. Um, Also, to just exacerbate things, Gordon admitted to an incestuous relationship with his mother slash maybe grandmother. Oh, cool. So there's that. Um, On February 8th, 1929, after a 27-day trial, an all-male jury convicted Gordon Northcott for the first-degree murders of both of the Winslow brothers, as well as, quote, one anonymous victim. Hmm. And I don't know if that's referring to Alvin. Walter? Oh, probably. 
I'm not sure. Uh, and I also don't think it's possible anymore unless they have like the full remains of a John or Jane Doe and they're like, mm-hmm. okay, you killed this person, but we don't know who they are. I'm not really sure. But that's you what can, he was convicted on. I think you can be convicted of a murder, even if they don't know who the victim was, as long as they know that there was a victim and you had a hand in their murder. Right? Right. If it was like in a yeah, if it was like a John or Jane Doe and they had the corpse and tied you to the corpse, but they don't know who that is. Right. They still haven't been able to identify the victim. Right. That's interesting. So before sentencing, the father of the murdered Winslow boys led a lynch mob to try to break into this temporary jail where he was being held after trial and before sentencing uh, to hang him. But the police managed to disband the lynch mob. And in the end, it didn't really matter because Gordon Northcott was sentenced to death and sent to San Quentin and then finally hanged in October of 1930. Oh, fucking bye. Mayhem. But before his execution, good old Gordon took the time to send a telegram to poor Christine Collins, the mother of Walter. No. Oh, God. Claiming Leave it that the fuck alone. He's a, such a monster, but, but sending letters to the families of his victims is his M.O. He had Sanford do it to his own family. It's he so probably did it to the Winslow boys' family. Mm. And now he's sending a telegram to, to Christine Collins. Ick. To saying what? Saying that Walter was not among his victims and begging her to come see him in person at the prison so that he would tell her the truth. No, no, no. Yeah. So full of desperate hope, uh, Christine went to the prison. I think I I would have gone too. Just hours before the execution time. Uh, but when she arrived, Gordon refused to see her and claimed he, quote, didn't know anything about it. Jesus, you're I, just twisting I, the knife. I hate him so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's the worst. Yikes. Um, so Gordon's mother slash Nana. Oh, God. <laughs> his manana. Is manana. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah's my manana. Slash, like, rapist? <laughs> slash co-conspirator? Yeah. Didn't uh, they have Manan- a sexual Manan- relationship also? Manan Loco? Ick, Mother, Nana, lover, co-conspirator? <laughs> okay, Manan Loco it. sounds like a delicious Applebee's dessert. <laughs> <laughs> So, or like some kind of or a discontinued alcoholic alcohol- drink in a can. Yes. <laughs> an alcoholic energy drink that got taken off of the market for being too dangerous. <laughs> Mango banana Manan with like, you know, cancer. <laughs> with tequila. <laughs> Extra guarana. Oh no. <laughs> oh my god, I semen. really want a Manan Loco now. Semen. It sounds delicious. <laughs> I'm here for it. We are. Okay. Well, you know what? We're not going <laughs> to launch a line of wine ever. We're just going to launch a line of energy drinks called Manan Loco. <laughs> okay. So 
Sarah Louise Northcott pled guilty uh, to the murder of Walter Collins and was given life imprisonment. So she was spared the death penalty because she was a woman and it was 1928. Oh, um, fucking bye. But don't worry because this peach only served 12 years. How? Cool. Yeah, that is Manan Loco. That is fucking Manan Loco. No, no, no. She was let out. She was released. Well, sex my Manan Loco. (laughs) (laughs) Well, flip me over and sex my Manan Loco. That is just not acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) We've taken this so far. (laughs) Way too far. (laughs) So Sanford, the nephew, was still a minor when the trials were happening, and he was sentenced to five years in a youth correctional facility, but supposedly like a good one because like in 1928, a youth correctional facility could yeah, be worse that could than have been prison. Bad. But apparently he was sentenced to like a good one that actually believed in rehabilitation for what it's worth. Um, and he only served just a little bit shy of two years there. So he was let out, I think, before he turned 18. Um, and this was because the authorities were pretty convinced that he only helped Gordon because he feared for his own life, not because he wanted to be doing any of this and that he 100%. was a victim himself. Uh, Sanford lived a long life. I think he died in his 70s and he had a family, uh, but he was always haunted by his experiences at the chicken ranch. And according to loved ones, he often contemplated suicide. Oh, honey. Yeah, like throughout his life. So it was leaves. I'm sorry, Sanford. Leaves a mark. But by all accounts, he was like a good husband and a good dad and like lived a long life and like. The poor kid was dealt some shitty cards. Yeah. Some shitty cards. And like a lot of people have horseshit families, but this is above and beyond. Can you imagine being abused by your uncle and then forced to commit murder with your uncle and your grandmother? I, but no. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. That's a lot. Mm -mm. So um, some speculate that Gordon Northcott may have murdered as many as 20 young boys all before he himself turned 24 years old, but the state was unable to produce enough evidence to charge him with any other crimes. And Sanford also didn't suggest that there were other victims so right and he would have i would say if he knew right but it's also entirely possible that this guy started killing long before sanford was sent to help him on his chicken farm yeah it's possible although gordon was 18 when he got the chicken farm and sanford arrived pretty soon thereafter so i don't know I don't know. It's hard it to probably, say. There's no way to know. It might depend on whether he sent for Gordon in the first place. If it, if his explicit purpose was to help him, you know, kill and dispose of bodies, then he probably had these inclinations well before then. But if you or really Sanford, did want him for the chicken farm, then who knows? Or he wanted him as his first victim. He was exactly his victim profile. He was oh. an 11-year-old boy. So That's Sanford true. could and have it's been easy his first when it's victim. Your, yeah, it's easier to, like, quote-unquote, acquire a family member. I mean, this is why it's so common that abuse happens within families because you inherently trust each other. Right. It's easy to access these people. It's fucked up. 
Right. I tend but to lean my mom towards used the to send me to spend summers. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. I spent summers with my aunt and uncle almost every summer of middle school. Right. Think. I mean, obviously, my family is not anything like this at all, and I was never. I was very well taken care of. But this is not like an uncommon thing. No. Yeah, absolutely. I. I. I tend normally I tend to lean towards the sensational, like whatever is the craziest story. But in this case, I just kind of believe Sanford. And if he says that there were four victims and they found four victims, then that makes For sure. sense. It's to me. most likely. Yeah. Uh, I think this guy would have gone on to kill as many as he possibly fucking could if he had mm-hmm. been given the chance. Yeah, you don't um, And this dude's fucked up, so it doesn't shock me that he's like, oh, yeah, I fucking did all this. It's yeah. Like, mm, okay, put your boner away, dude. No one wants to see that. He's the fucking worst. Um, in 1930, the town of Wineville, where the chicken ranch had been located, voted to change its name to Mira Loma in order to cast off the negative associations that it Wineville had with these horrific murders, so they got Ugh. a fresh start. It's too bad. And that's that's a bad something name. so fucked up happening in your town that your town is like, yeah, we're gonna change the name of the town. <laughs> we're gonna not only change the name, we're gonna change the entire meaning and language Bye. of the name. <laughs> this we is witness n- protection program for geography. Yeah. 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 So anyway, oh that is Lord. the Wineville Chicken Coop murders, and that was our fan-picked case. And, uh, yeah, it's a doozy, but it's a good one. It's such a fascinating case. I'm glad that we've had an opportunity to cover it. Oh, right. Watch the change. Nice work, Kenyon. Yeah, good job. Oh, Thank I totally you. am going to do that tonight. Thank you. All right. Uh, some more, a little sponsor break. Let's do it. Folks, we want to talk to you about Poshmark. This is amazing. You can shop from millions of closets across America. And let me tell you, you can also sell two millions of closets across America. This is like the ultimate way to get a discount on that Chanel bag that maybe I've been coveting that maybe also now because of targeted advertising pops up in my (laughs) Facebook feed to taunt me. Every time I'm scrolling, I see this like very specific Chanel bag that I have viewed on Poshmark like 16 times. (laughs) And I just need to pull the trigger and just buy it because it's absolutely gorgeous and it is selling for so much less than retail that there's no way I could get a better deal somewhere else on this bag so I really need to just do it Mm -hmm. but Poshmark is the place to go to check out deals like this and to also maybe see what you might have in your closet that somebody else could get a deal on I got a pair of Steve Madden riding boots with like a wedge heel that I've been coveting for a long time on Poshmark and I'm so freaking excited Um, so here's how it works You download the free Poshmark app. Poshmark carries women, kids, and men's clothes and and accessories, items. Mm -hmm. Poshmark Mm -hmm. has tons of brands to shop from. So, like we said, they've got Chanel. They've got Louis Vuitton. They've got Mm -hmm. Steve Madden. They've got Lululemon. Lululemon, J. Crew. What? Just you name it, they've got it. You Mm -hmm. won't believe the deals that you will find on Poshmark. And uh, the style and pricing is all cannot be beat. So it can't. Poshmark is the easiest way to buy and sell fashion items. Mm-hmm. So if you're mm-hmm. trying to Marie Kondo your closet, you which know. I can't because everything I own sparks joy. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and I'm trying to buy more things via Poshmark that spark additional joy. Well, I'm more <laughs> of a purger. So, uh, yeah, selling items on Poshmark is really great. And uh, it's a way to make that letting go process a little bit easier uh, mm-hmm. and let it spark joy for someone else. So the shipping is easy for both the seller and the buyer, and it's super fast. If you see mm-hmm. something that you want, you can make the seller an offer. So you can like have oh, I love that a barter. Bit. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you can share your Poshmark closet handle by telling your friends to find you on the app. So if there's somebody you know that has really great style, they might be on Poshmark, and then you know that their mm-hmm. like closet is already curated with stuff you'll love. I do love that. It's almost like a social network version of a closet swap. Like you can follow people. You can follow a retailer on Poshmark that consistently puts up really cool items that you love Mm -hmm. and just keep coming back to their quote unquote closet and shopping from it. I think that's really cool. Um, Definitely check it out. There's nothing to lose. In fact, there's something to gain because listeners of Wine and Crime get $5 off their first purchase by entering the invite code GALS5. That's G-A-L-S and then the number 5 when you sign up. Again, that's invite code GALS5 for $5 off your first purchase. Treat yo closet. Treat it. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. And Mm -hmm. HelloFresh makes conquering the kitchen in 2019 a reality with deliciously simple recipes. I'm not a great cook. I need deliciously simple recipes with pictures. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I'm 100% with you there. Not only am I not a great cook, I never really found the joy of cooking and I feel so accomplished when I cook a HelloFresh meal and it's, it's enjoyable and it's easy. So they pack in fresh pre-measured ingredients with easy to follow six step pictured, like Kenyon said, Mm -hmm. recipe cards. And this is delivered to your door each week in a special insulated box. So they literally do the grocery shopping for you. And even a lot of times the prep and the measuring for you, Mm -hmm. it couldn't be easier. You can spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping so you can get that time back to do more of what you love, like taking bubble baths. Mm-hmm. Like treating hey. yourself. Yeah, for real. And these recipes are just delicious, and there's a lot of variety in what you can choose here. So there are three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family. And you do have the option to switch between them for when your taste change. So you're not absolutely married to one. If you try the classic for a while and then you maybe as part of a goal for 2019, you want to do a whole month where you're vegetarian, Mm -hmm. crush it. Switch over to that veggie plan. They're going to take care of that for you. Now, I am on a pork chop kick. I've eaten (laughs) so much pork in the last month. New year, new you. New year, new pork. (laughs) I have to. It's so good. And I really had always been kind of nervous cooking pork because it's so easy to overcook it and then it's really dry. I never know how to season it. I never really know what to serve with it. And most recently, I made the cherry balsamic pork chops Mm. from HelloFresh. This is a Hall of Famer. I always love to lean toward their Hall of Fame recipes because they're just like tried and true amazing. Um, You serve them with garlic herb couscous and roasted broccoli. Like, hello, this sounds like something off of a fine dining dinner menu. How could I even do it? 
And another thing that I love about these recipes is they will also give you a little timestamp of like approximately how long it's going to take to cook this. This amazing cherry balsamic pork chop dish took about half an hour, 35 minutes to cook. And that's exactly what was listed on the menu. The step-by-step instructions are great. Everything was portioned for me. The sauces are portioned. It comes with everything you needed. It was sweet. It was savory. It was tangy. The the meat is so high quality. It's like this thick cut, juicy pork chop. Mm. I was so impressed. And I love it. It has completely changed how I feed myself 100%. (laughs) So take advantage of HelloFresh's special offer for 2019. Get $80 off your first month by going to HelloFresh.com forward slash GALS80, G-A-L-S-8-0, and enter the promo code GALS80. Again, Mm -hmm. you can take advantage of HelloFresh's special offer for 2019 by getting $80 off your first month at HelloFresh.com forward slash gals80. That's like receiving eight meals free. Yeah, I almost did a spit take when you read that, yeah. <laughs> that deal. I was like, uh, okay. $80 Do off. Do it. What are Treat you yourself. waiting for? Yeah. Amazing. Unlike other major brands, Lola Feminine Care products are 100% natural and easy to feel good about. So there's no mm. BS mystery fibers or doubts about what is going in your body. Plus, Lola products come in a simple, customizable subscription. So Lola will deliver exactly what you need and exactly when you need it. So something you might not know, and that is pretty freaky, is that the FDA doesn't require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their feminine care products. So most of them don't. Oof. And it's going in like your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lola offers complete transparency about the ingredients found in their tampons, pads, liners, and wipes. And I mm-hmm. love these wipes, you guys. Yeah. They're really great. Can confirm. They're really perfect for travel. Um, so these cleansing wipes are safe for use anywhere on the body. They are the first biodegradable all-natural wipe of their kind. NBD, um, and they are perfect for a midday or mid-flight refresh, which I mm-hmm. have definitely benefited from. They are individually packaged and perfect for on the go, and they are gynecologist approved and hypoallergenic, which is so I love that. important. And then also a really, really cool thing with Lola is that you can do good with your purchase. So for every purchase, they donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S., I love that so much. It's the best. And I know you mentioned customizing your subscription. I mean, this is the coolest thing, in my opinion, about Lola tampons and other products. It's because you know your body the best. So Lola is going to give you four ways to tailor your subscription to perfectly fit your needs. You can start with product types. You can choose either or a combo of organic cotton tampons, pads, or liners and wipes. I love doing the combo, especially because my period could be kind of weird and really light. And sometimes I just need a liner and a wipe. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, good to go. Mm-hmm. Other times I'm like, it's Mount Vesuvius. Super I need the me. super triple plus. Yeah, it's it's cuckoo bananas. 
Um, and then that brings us to absorbency. You can build your box of 18 tampons or 12 pads. Tampons can be a mix of light, um, regular, super, and super plus. Pads can be a mixture of ultra-thin day pads or night pads. I love those ultra-thin day pads for just like the end of your period when mm -hmm. you don't know if like a hearty sneeze is going to ruin your underwear. I yeah. know you know what I'm talking about. Um, the quantity choices are awesome. You decide how many boxes you'd like to, to have delivered to your door. So I am on a Nexplanon arm implant birth control. I only get my period like once or twice a year, but I just like to have these items as backup. Mm -hmm. So I will get some things delivered. I mean, let's be honest. I'm mostly using the sex by Lola line at this point, <laughs> but since you can combine those subscriptions every once in a while, every few months, I'll just have them send me a re-up of the tampons and liners and wipes that I like to use. And then I just have that in my arsenal for when I get my period. And then that leads us to frequency. You can select your shipment frequency. You can also cancel, skip an order, or modify your subscription any time. It is seriously so customizable. It's perfect. Lola emails you two days before your boxes ship, and they pride themselves on no surprises or gimmicks. So they really do work with you, and it's just one of the best programs ever. If you get a period, check out Lola. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our listeners get a period, so we're going to offer you, offer you a little discount. You can get 40% off all subscriptions by visiting mylola.com and entering promo code GALS40 when you subscribe. Again, that's for 40% off all subscriptions by visiting mylola.com and entering GALS40, G-A-L-S-4-0, when you subscribe. Treat Joe Flow. <laughs> back yeah uh i'm gonna go in a different direction than kenyon went in uh first of all <laughs> in what i was doing my research i found a bunch of like 10 dumbest cop mistakes like listverse.com articles <laughs> it was like these are hysterical one of my personal favorites was uh there was a story about a police dog that accidentally attacked its like cop owner slash partner oh, because no. they were chasing a perp and basically when you're working I didn't know this I didn't even think about this when you're working with a canine unit and you send a canine to basically chase down a perp yeah you as the officer have to make sure not to get in front of the canine because they're just hyper focused on like that thing in front of them oh, so right. if you cross into their sight line then they will attack you basically because that's just what they're trained to do yeah so this uh -oh. officer got in front of his own fucking canine and got like a nasty chunk of his arm bitten off owie um i mean whatever don't get in front of your canine i'm sure Damn. the canine felt bad about it after the fact but i had to give my canine flea medication today and let me tell you it took a whole hell of a lot of peanut butter to the back <laughs> of the throat <laughs> oh my lord! So dramatic, Poor Josie. It was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, but in my uh, in my research, I found this little case that it's just like, of course, men. <laughs> That's just how I'm gonna preface <laughs> okay. this. Okay. So we've had a couple of similar busts like this in Minneapolis um, because it's really not uncommon for quote unquote brothels to front as massage parlors happens yes. all the time 
happens. Yes. So common, in fact, the happy ending joke has become, like, commonplace. You say you're going to get a massage, and people always ask, oh, you're going to get a happy ending, blah, blah, blah. Well. I hate those In this people. case, I know, I hate those people, too. But in this case, somebody did. Um, so police go undercover, often vice cops, to check these places out, see what's up. Um, and in every state in the United States, all that, that where sex work or prostitution is illegal, all that needs to happen for a vice cop to make an arrest is for the proposition and exchange of finances to go down. You don't have to engage. Right. And in fact, it's illegal in every single state except Hawaii to engage in sexual contact with sex workers when you're undercover. Because well, then you're I just mean, engaging in illegal activity. <laughs> pretty much, but... Yeah. This is an uh, this is an aside about this shit in Hawaii and it's really not pertinent to this case in particular but I just thought this was so gross but also fascinating. So apparently in Hawaii um it's not illegal for police to engage in sex acts with sex workers. And Honolulu police have urged lawmakers to preserve this exemption in Hawaii law that lets undercover officers have sex with sex workers during investigations, um, but they won't say how often they use the provision. Of course, Why they're not going to be divulge beneficial that information. To an investigation, I'm going to read you both sides oh of that oh from from the perspective of. Uh, Cops in Hawaii. I've so, looked at uh, love from both from sides, both sides now. now. <laughs> so the notion has shocked advocates and law enforcement experts on the sex trade. Quote, I don't know of any state or federal law that allows any law enforcement officer undercover to do what this law is allowing, said Roger Young, a retired FBI agent who worked sex crimes out of Las Vegas for more than 20 years and has trade vice squads around the country. So this person's definitely an expert. Uh, once we agree on the price and the and the sex act, that's all you need. That breaks the law. Um, and this this was from an article in 2014. So that year, state legislators moved to revamp Hawaii's decades-old law against uh, prostitution. They toughened penalties against pimps and those who use prostitutes. This is all the language from the article. This is not how I necessarily reference these folks. Um, they also proposed scrapping the sex exemption for officers on duty. So. When they were evaluating these laws, lawmakers were like, mm, we should probably make it illegal for officers to be able to engage in sex acts with sex workers when they're undercover. Correct. But then the Honolulu police come back and say they need the legal protection to catch lawbreakers in the act. Otherwise, they argued, uh, sex workers would insist on sex to identify undercover officers. So if it's illegal for the officer to engage in a sex act, they're saying that could be a, a way for sex workers to test whether or not it's an undercover cop. So it's the same well, for like a drug deal, a drug sting. Like, okay, take this right. line and prove you're not a cop. Exactly. That's right. exactly what it is. Which I can see, but also usually sex workers will want to define the act and the exchange right. of money before... Hand and also, well, and if that's all it takes in all 50 states, including Hawaii, for an arrest to be made, you don't even have to prove, quote unquote, prove yeah. you're not a you cop. You don't need to toe the line any more than that. That's the crime. 
by having right. sexual contact with these people. You also, don't need to go there. We shouldn't be trying to play gotcha with people selling sex when Fuck really no. what we should be doing is cracking down on sex buyers. Yes, that is where I stand on this issue. I realize that's controversial, but that is where I stand. Mm-hmm. And cracking down on pimps and brothel owners and other people that mm-hmm. are exploiting people right. selling sex. Right. No, I would agree. Um, okay, so I just thought that was an interesting aside, and, like, I was reading that article, and I was like, what the fuck? Anyway, so back to this story. So this is 2005. Officer Ron Moore is tasked with the dangerous job of going undercover and exposing vice in the city of Linwood, Washington. Well, Ron Moore backwards is moron. Exactly. <laughs> just yeah, needed exactly. to point that out. So you know that what? We're, that's astute. how we're going to refer to him for the rest of the story. Excellent. Moron. Moron's job was to infiltrate an establishment of alleged ill repute called the Classic Body Tonic Spa, which, like, sign me up. Um, <laughs> he was posing as a customer. He was given $80 of department money and was wished Godspeed on what was sure to be a rough assignment. Uh, from... Here forward, I am simply going to read from the affidavit because it was really great and has everything we need to know. Um, And I inserted a couple of my own notes, but it's just kind of... I just want to take you on this journey. Okay. I'm so ready. On April 27th, and again, this is directly all from the affidavit, so it, it does use language like prostitute, things like that, that we don't typically use. I'm just reading directly from this legal document. On April 27, 2005, Officer Brooks, uh, oh yeah, okay, so there's two officers involved in this. This is not moron, but there's morons coming up. Officer Brooks of Linwood Police Department, Officer Ron Moore, and Senior Special Agent, some name I can't pronounce, Cam Vale, with the Immigration and Custom Enforcement Agency, met in regards to a new business that had recently opened in the Linwood area. The business was named Classic Body Tonic Spa and looked as if it had the appearance of being a massage parlor. During the meeting, it was determined that Linwood police officer Moron, Ron Moore, would act as an undercover officer in a customer role at the business to determine what type of business activity was taking place. So typically, stings like this will be initiated after they get some sort of like anonymous tip or have some sort of suspicion about, like, the seedy underbelly of some of these storefronts, basically. Yeah. Uh, Moron was provided police department buy money to use while at the business. The money, this is an unimportant detail, but I think it's interesting. So they want to track where this money is going. It's obviously real money. It's not counterfeit money. But they'll take photocopies of the money that they give to officers to then use in these stings that they can track it in circulation, especially if you're like, if there's like drugs or money laundering involved, then they can follow where this money's going. That's smart. I like that. That's good. Yeah. Moron went to the location (laughs) and entered the business um, in Linwood, Washington. After Moron entered the business, he contacted an older Asian female who directed him to go into a back room and disrobe. While Moron was undressing, a younger Asian female, later identified as Kim, asked Moore if he wanted a body shampoo, which, anecdote, as having gone to the bathhouse and been given what's called a buff, yes, you always want the body shampoo. It sounds the legit it's painful. <laughs> it's different in some of these I, establishments. Yeah, no, I know, but the also, legit body sure shampoo, hello. 
the, I'm pretty sure it's different than a body buff, first of all. And the way that when I worked at the National Organization for Women and we were focused on like combating sex trafficking in New York City, what we would do is look at ads for these like sketchy massage parlors that mm-hmm. were advertised in the Yellow Pages or in the Village Voice or even in, like, New York Magazine um, and call them up and, one, ask if they accepted female clients. Mm. A lot of them said no. That mm-hmm. was like, okay, obviously. Red flag. Yeah. First of all, it's illegal. Mm-hmm. And second of all, like, super red flag if you only take male clients and then we would ask for their New York state massage licensure License. number. Yeah. And they would just hang up. Right. That's all you need to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't need to go and get your body shampooed. Oh, don't worry. This investigation was thorough. <laughs> oh no. No. Bend so- over and snap. Wow, you basically read in like an exact line from this affidavit. Oh my um, god! So Kim stated that Moron was to pay her sixty dollars for the body shampoo. Moron gave her the sixty dollars. Uh, Kim directed Moron to another room across the hall where there was a shower and a table. Kim told Moron to lie down on the table on his stomach. Kim be- began to lubricate Moron's body with soap. During the exchange, Kim touched Moron's anal area about once every 10 seconds. The entire exchange <laughs> took about four minutes. So if we do the math, 60 seconds per minute, four <laughs> times. Anal touch area, anal area touch every 10 seconds. That's 24 touches. And I will take my honorary MIT degree now. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So she fingered his b-hole 24 times in four Uh minutes. Okay. Which like, I want Kim's number. Anyway, um, (laughs) after Kim had completed the back portion of the shampoo, she directed Moron to turn over and lie on his back. Kim again soaped Moron's body, including his genital area. This part of the shampoo lasted about three minutes. Wink, wink. That's in the affidavit. That's optimistic. (laughs) During this portion of the shampoo, Kim washed his genitals about five times. Kim had Moron stand up as she rinsed the soap off of his body. At one point, Kim fondled his genitals and said, you like? She then directed Moore to the sauna area. Moore was in the sauna alone for about five minutes. Soon thereafter, Kim entered the sauna area and started to dry him off. During the drying portion, Kim began to lower her head toward Moore's penis, like gesture with her forehead, like eh. Uh, Moore responded that he only had $20 left. Kim responded, oh no, that costs $40 or $50, like the blowjob. Uh, Moore asked if he could get a hand job for that, to which Kim responded, okay, honey. I like Kim. She's, I know, I like Kim, too. She seems like a sweetheart. None of this is Kim's fault. No. No, of course not. Absolutely not. Kim's just making a fucking living. Kim is also this the guy, name of my mother-in-law, and I'm just picturing her in this scenario. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Gesturing to a John's you wiener like? with her forehead. You like? But just with, like, two large oven mitts as she, like, carries <laughs> yeah. in a hot dish. 100%. Exactly. She's asking if you like her hot dish, oh, and you're just reading like. the room wrong. <laughs> oh, I fucking, mommy fucking mommy like me. fucking like fucking tight, Kim. Mm. So Kim led Moron back into the original room and directed him to lie down on his back. 
Kim came up to Moron and pulled down her blouse to expose both of her breasts. Kim subsequently began to fondle Moron's genitals with some sort of lubricant. I love that line. Some sort of lubricant that's in the <laughs> affidavit. Uh, <laughs> masturbating Moron while placing Moron's right hand on her breasts. After the encounter was over, Kim stated, next time you come a lot. Next time I, I'll let you suck my pussy. I love that. Yes. I mean, you get yours, Kim. Wow. Um, and yes, there would be a next time. But before we continue, let re me remind you that in all states, including Hawaii, where cops are legally allowed to engage in sex with sex workers, you do not need to go that far to make an arrest. No. Just the exchange of money was fucking enough. That's all you need. He just yeah. wanted to get his rocks off. That's Officer it. Officer Moron was engaging in a little off-duty shenanigans. Yeah, but he was on duty. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's ultra fucked up. This is so he goes back up. on May 4th. Uh, he, again, enters the place of business with buy money for use in the investigation. The intent of the second investigation was to determine if the classic body tonic spa was operating as a whole with the entire staff being aware of the offering of sex for money or if it was simply an individual masseuse. Oh, so they got to hit We got to know worker. how many people. Yep, we got to keep going. We're going deep. Makes sense. Oh, my God. <laughs> Moron, en <laughs> Moron entered the building. 30 seconds later, an Asian female, about 40 years old, opened the door and gestured Moron into the hallway. It was the same woman who welcomed Moron on April 27th. She directed him into the same room that he had been in on the earlier occasion. A short time later, another Asian female entered the room wearing a black shirt. Moron told the woman that he was there to see Kim. The woman acknowledged this saying, okay, you give me 60 bucks and I'll go get her. So Why right would he here, want to see the same person if that's he was exactly my note, I was like, if his intention is to see if other employees are also selling sex, why is he specifically asking for Kim? Like, clearly, he's he liked those wanting her mitts. services. Yeah. <laughs> he wants that hot dish. <laughs> um, so he gives this woman the $60, and about five minutes later, uh, the same younger Asian female who more moron... Um, had contacted on the previous occasion, entered the room. So Kim comes back in. She greeted Moore and asked Moore if he wanted a body shampoo. Moron stated that he didn't have enough time, which, let's be honest, he didn't really need, but whatever. Um, neither here nor there. <laughs> um, didn't have enough. Where, where am I? This affidavit is in such small, small letters. Aha. Kim's, uh, that I didn't have enough time. Kim stated, okay, give me, you, you give me $60 for the massage. 20, this is my favorite part of the whole thing. $20 for handy handy. Okay. Is, what, is a quote. That's what she called it, which now that's what I'm calling it. Handy handy. Handy handy. While she made, um, while she made an up and down motion with her hands. So she's using my move. Yeah. Oh my God. She's, she's making doing jack off hands. Flirting technique. Yeah. I know, like. That's, is that not how you flirt with is a man? Is that not proprietary? Take me to Outback Steakhouse and you get a handy handy. That's kind of my move. I'm just going to be upfront about it. Um, Moron says, okay, and then asks her how much it would be for a second woman to handy handy at the same time. Again, I am reading directly from the affidavit. Like, this oh my is God. not, I have not, except for my notes that I've inserted where I've said, I'm inserting my notes. 
This is all verbatim from the affidavit. This is bringing me back to my... Your studying days. Yeah, my... Exactly. My fucking grad school thesis. Yeah. So Kim stated $200 for everything. Moron stated that he didn't have enough money. Um, Kim corrected Moron and stated that her name was Yo-Yo and that she had told him her name was Kim because it was Moron's first time at the spa. So in the affidavit, she is here to refer to as Kim Yo-Yo. Okay. Kim Yo-Yo directed Moron to lie down on his stomach. She disrobed and started to massage Moron's buttocks and asked, do you want me to go inside? Moron said, no. She then turned Moron over and began to masturbate him. She then replied, "Uh, you can suck my pussy, it's okay. Moron declined to participate in oral sex because he's selfish. Selfish, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking rude. Selfish fucking prick. (laughs) Minutes after Officer Moron entered the spa, enter Officer Brooks because he needs backup. (laughs) Upon entry, an Asian female in her late 40s came came to the window and asked Brooks if he wanted a massage. Brooks answered in the affirmative and was directed into a room where he was told to undress. Another Asian female came in dressed in a black sheer top with black shorts. She asked Brooks... um, what he wanted, Brooks stated that he wanted a massage. She immediately told Brooks it would be $60 for 45 minutes. This part I don't understand. She took $40 and gave Brooks back $20. So maybe she's just not good at making change, or I don't know. Uh, She told Brooks that she would give him a 30-minute massage for the $40, um, which goes to the house. So I don't know. That math is off, because if she took $40... Oh, okay. He gave her 60 bucks. She kept 40 of it, returned $20 of it, and said, okay, I'll give you 30 minutes for the $40. When I read this the first time, I was like, that doesn't so make she, sense. So she wants some of that cash as a tip. Yeah, that's and likely why that exchange it done happened. quicker. Okay. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes a lot more sense reading it the second time. Brooks asked her what her name was. She stated that it was Sin, but that she goes by Sam because Sin sounds, uh, sounds bad. Sam continued to massage Brooks for several minutes, eventually removing the towel that was covering him. Sam started rubbing his genital area. Within seconds, Sam began to masturbate Brooks. When Sam stopped, she left the room and returned with a warm washcloth to wipe Brooks's groin area. They really do everything. They're cleaning you up. I like a it. A lot of times with these uh, massage parlor ads, they'll say if they have a shower facility or not in the ad. And that's usually a signal that, like, sex it's full work service. is probably... So, yeah, that, like, sex work is probably happening there because then you can use a shower. Because I've right. never used a shower after a regular massage. No, you don't... There aren't even shower... At places that, like, strictly do massage and facials... Yeah. They don't even have shower facilities. Right. So that's actually an interesting point. I never really thought about that before, that that could easily be an indication. Yep. Um, Okay, so where was I? Ah, Sam asked if Brooks liked the massage and told him that the next time, if he brought more money, he could get a body shampoo, like his friend Moron. As Brooks was leaving, Sam again touched his groin area and leaned in and gave him a hug. The way I imagine this is like how football players get like tapped on the butt for like a job well done. <laughs> yeah, like nice. she's like taps him twice on the junk and is like, "See you next time." <laughs> um, on May 11th, so now they're coming back a third time on duty They've, with 
on duty money. Yep, right. with with buy money that's been provided by the fucking police department. Yeah, for them to go get by jacked the off taxpayers. But let's yep. drug test all single moms. Exactly, using food who are stamps. applying for welfare? Yeah, yeah, go fucking kill. Just I can't. We can't even. I, I'm stumbling. We can't even go there. <clears throat> okay, sorry. The rage just got caught in my throat. Um, so on May 11th, more on returns to classic body tonic to determine whether or not the hostess was aware of the sexual contacts occurring in the rooms with the masseuse. He really wants to be thorough and make sure that he knows. Who knows? Yeah. Moron requested that two females assist in the massage, one being Kim Yo-Yo and the other being the older Asian female that usually greets customers at the door. Once in the room, Moron made his request for the second woman. Moron was informed by Kim Yo-Yo that it would be $200. Um... Soon thereafter, Kim Yo-Yo and the door greeter, who goes by Jenny, came into the room. Both females began to massage Moore's genitals while moaning and complimenting Moore, because, like, this is what men need. Kim Yo-Yo took off all her clothes, and Jenny lifted up her shirt and exposed her breasts. Jenny and Kim Yo-Yo were simultaneously masturbating Moore and moaning at the same time. Kim Yo-Yo said she wanted Moore to orgasm on her breasts. Kim Yo-Yo directed Moore to stand up. Jenny began to masturbate Moore, stating, come on her tits, repeatedly. Jenny began to stroke Kim Yo-Yo's breasts at the same time. Moore stated that this was too much for him and that he stiffened up and bent over. (laughs) Jenny said, you missed, not on her tits. Like he came, but he couldn't get his aim right. He missed. And he is giving this, like, statement for the affidavit. So writing police reports really does suck. I guess so. <laughs> I just I mean, oh why God. would you put that I, in there? I'm so <laughs> at a loss. This is the weirdest case anyone's ever covered because you're it's just so reading bad weird. erotica. I know. Really bad Tax, erotica. I just love air funded erotica. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just imagining <laughs> bored to death 40 year old Jenny. Yeah, just like just okay, turning and going, whatever. you missed. You missed. <laughs> Quote, you missed, <laughs> not on her tits. <laughs> this woman is over it. She just <laughs> wants to get back to her day. You fucking She's like, Great. missed. Now we have to fucking Swiffer. Fuck you. Yep. <laughs> the next sentence is more laughed and stated something about next time. Like next time my aim will be better. Oh yeah. yeah. Good police work. I like that it said he B- stiffened and I know. bent over and missed her tits or like whatever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Jesus. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Um, this is a lot. Yeah. This is a lot. Are you almost Both done? women left for <laughs> Uh, yes i am actually almost to be almost done both women left the room leaving more alone soon thereafter jenny came back in and wiped more's genital genitals off with a towel more asked jenny if he could just see her next time jenny said yes jenny went on to state that this was her first time with three people jenny exited the room and kim yo-yo came in and provided a massage to more so he did get his massage during the massage kim yo-yo commented that she also worked in the upstairs nail salon (laughs) (laughs) so he went for a petty after i Mm -hmm. shouldn't laugh but that just i was not expecting that it's also fully unrelated to anything i don't even know why it's in this affidavit because that's just that's the second to last part of the whole affidavit (laughs) 
Because oh now God. it wraps up by saying that finally on May 13th, a search warrant is served to the business. Both Kim Yo-Yo and Jenny were transported, arrested to the Linwood Police Department. Um, and after being questioned, they they basically both confess that like, yes, this is a spa fronting as a spa, but it is actually a brothel. They it's were both charged. It's also very possible that that Kim and and possibly Jenny as well, although more likely Kim is a trafficking victim. Mm-hmm. Forced Kim, to yeah, work I mean, there. Kim like, isn't. It was confirmed that Kim was like, I, I don't, I don't know how she ended up in this position. So it's very possible that she's a trafficking victim. She was identified as an employee mm-hmm. of this business, and um, Jenny was copped up to being the owner of this business. Right. So Jenny, I believe, was charged with more and served more time than Kim. Hmm. Right. Yep. Um, but she did deny ever exposing her breasts or touching Officer Moore. Kim Yo-Yo was like, yeah, I did it. And Jenny was like, well, I own the shop and I know this is happening, but I never jacked him off. And basically, Moron was like, well, I went in three times, so I know. Like, it's my word against yours. Do you need me to go in a fourth time to confirm? Because I'm willing. Yep. I will gladly go in a fourth I time. I will fall on that sword that is my cock. It's yep. going to need to be tomorrow, though, because... Yeah. Refractory, period. Yep. So, that's my case. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just... going to have nightmares. I know. Well, I after, just was like after this shocked. case airs, there won't be any problems with recruitment. Nope. <laughs> yeah, seriously, this should be the recruitment video for virile young new officers. Join the vice squad. <laughs> Get a bullshit body shampoo. Bullshit like body this is shampoo. not helping the overall image, the optics of the police. Also, in yeah, all no. seriousness, like of the sex workers that I have talked to and interviewed, more of them have faced violence and victimization from police oh, yeah. than yeah. they have from other clients. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's not uncommon. So just putting that out there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is actually like just the fact that he was using the services is less of a brutal affront than has happened in the past it's just between police officers and sex workers it's, it's just fucked up fucking typical is what it is mm-hmm. it's all the right. most fucking typical all right well officer moron officer moron special thanks this week to kim yo-yo mm-hmm. and special fuck you this week to officer moron mm-hmm. and also special thanks to our fan picker for police fuck-ups caitlin amy Get it, girl. Golf Thank you clap. for giving me the opportunity to read through that colorful affidavit. <laughs> you would have been reading it <laughs> anyway. Lucy's mad at you. <laughs> I mean, I was reading it in my uh, lifespan development class today and just trying not to laugh. Oh, my God. <laughs> that had to have been breaking some sort of rule. <laughs> I mean, probably, but whatever. I'm a multitasker. Okay. Special thank you. Also, also special. <laughs> <laughs> Namaste as fuck. 
which is get not it. anywhere close to where I am at right now. <laughs> no, you'll is, get there, though. I think this is like a group of yoga instructors who are like, we that. know you're not into yoga, but like, we love you. And it's like, I love you, too. I love that. I also love Stephanie Gonzalez. Thank you so much for your $5 a month. Yes. Stephanie, you mean the world to me. <laughs> and Johnny no. McMillan, <laughs> you're all so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Too cool Your for name that was Stephanie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Danielle, so cool. You don't even need a last name. Thank you mm -mm. so much for your Patreon pledge. I love it. Thank you, Nathan, Raya, or Raya. Raya, hardly Noah. <laughs> you're getting us all riled up. Riot up. You're more talented than Mariah. I need a nap. Carrie. <laughs> or Shania Twain. Oh. Ooh. Shout out to Emily Newman. You've made a new woman out of me, Emily Newman. Oh. Mm. Newman's own makes the best dressing. Mm. Emma Crows. <laughs> Crows. Grace. Uh, Cruz. Emma was my favorite part. Of Emma crisscross. <laughs> crisscross will make you Emma. Crisscross will make you. Yep, there we go. Okay. Okay, Emily Ramen. Raymond. Ramen. Ramen. <laughs> that makes me want ramen. And I'm yeah. maybe gonna get ramen today. I am yeah. so fucking hungry. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Lene Sisto. You are hotter than the thong song Cisco. You're our sisto from another misto. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny Lell. Oh my mm. God, I love that last name. You make it could yeah. be Lele. 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 Lele Brenda Dor <laughs> oh, I like that. Brenda Doran or Duran. I need to reapply my deodorant because I am so sweaty with excitement over your five dollar a month. I donation. am hungry like the wolf. Mm hmm. <laughs> what? Duran Duran. Oh. Duran Duran. Okay. Keep is, up, Lucy. Is it my turn? Yes. Yes. Amanda <laughs> bitches Gillen or Gullen. Woo! Bitches. You are <laughs> bitching, girl. Amanda uh, yes. bitches Gullen. Uh, Haley Hawkins, I'd ask you to the Sadie Hawkins dance. Aww. Thank but you not so much. with a racist poster. What? Christopher Hawkins. Oh, yeah. Let's not even go there. Okay. <laughs> That's another episode. Uh, Daniel Kavam. <gasps> not, not. Not the same Kavam. Not no, one of no. our Kavams, but another amazing Kavam. <laughs> oh, Black Betty, Daniel Kavam. Oh, Black Betty, <laughs> Daniel Kavam. Pam the Lamp. Pam the Lamp. Panda Lamp. Thank Kavam. Bramble Jam. <laughs> Bramble Jam. Uh, Daniel increased their donation from $1 to $5 a month, and we couldn't be more grateful. Thank you so much. <laughs> and the Phantom Zone podcast, a.k.a. Woo! Noah Reed, Kayla Miller, and Jared McCorkle. Yes. Um, I am officially changing my last name to McCorkle. <laughs> you crack our McCorkle, and oh, my you God. have increased 
from two to five dollars a month. So everybody, go check out the Phantom Zone podcast. Yes. Thank you. We love you. Ooh, I got a request, and it's my turn anyway. How, How fortuitous, Kate Favaro, who increased their pledge from two to five dollars a month. Thank you You're so much. You're our Favaro person. You are our <laughs> Favaro. <laughs> Robin Lee is kicking off the $10 a month tier. You will be receiving a fucking patriarchy, flexible, unbreakable, unshakable, delectable wine glass. <laughs> Thank you, Robin. You show us love. Show us life. Yeah. You were my favorite CD that I received yep. for my fourth grade birthday yep. party. And you Babe, made you show us what it's all about. You've made quite the resurgence in recent years, and we're very happy Truly. for you. Truly. Congrats. Also, big shout out, kicking off our trash queen or king or neither or both category. Nailed it. Felicia Sparks. You spark joy. And I'm going to say hi, Felicia, not bye, Felicia. Oh, hi. Hi, Felicia. Hi, also, Alyssa Williams. Alyssa, um... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this one's tough. This one's tough. Um, Alyssa, hardly know her. There we go. <laughs> Nailed it. Old faithful. Old fucking You'll faithful. be getting some trash in the mail coming up at some point. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Oh, it's my turn. Yep. Uh, Laura Gooch. Oh, I just want to go there, and I know I shouldn't. Don't do it. But I'm going to. You tickle my gooch no. with your $15 a month donation. We want to give you a consensual smooch. Smooch. <laughs> right on the gooch. No. Oh, oh, it's consensual. I said consensual. Amanda's really horny after her case. <laughs> yeah, Listen, apparently. I want a handy handy. <laughs> Do not go to the bathhouse, okay? I'm not going to. I want to give you a body shampoo. I get my consensual handy handies for free, baby. (laughs) Shout out to McKenna Sandoval. Oh, any relation to Vanderpump Rules famous bartender? Tom Sandoval. Tom Sandoval. I think he's so attractive, but in like a really emotional, sensitive way. I think he's like a beautiful, attractive woman. Like, yeah, I don't know what it's he the cheekbones. He's just it cut. is. It's he's the cheekbones from I, marble. I would pay infinite doll hairs to have cheekbones like that. I'm, I'm gonna walk into a clinic and be like, "Give me the Sandoval." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am equally oh. as attracted to his girlfriend Ariana, though, too, if not more. Oh, honestly, she's gorge. She's a babe. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll right. control myself. I won't. Uh, is it me? It's me. Yep. Yeah. Lillian McCarthy. No McCarthyism in your game, <laughs> I assume. You're definitely not a red commie. <laughs> Go back to history class and look up what that is. <laughs> or God. you are, and that's cool, too. To each thine own. Gotta make that cash Becca. <laughs> That's true. Becca Alvey, you're also going to get trash in the mail because <laughs> you're giving $15 a month. Well, I'll be darned. I'm fucking nailing it today. JC Welder, we want to weld our hearts onto thine, JC. Wedding is defined as the fusing of two metals. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have had a lot of wine, JC. JFC. <laughs> For and those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael Scott. <laughs> Next. <laughs> is it my turn? No, yeah. Sarah Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, we're Kelly Green with Envy at your generosity. Oh, good job. <laughs> Thank you so good much. <laughs> Rachel Elizabeth is giving $25 a month, which means Damn. you get to pick a case and or topic and suggest a wine. And assuming we can actually procure it, we will feature it, my love. Thank you so much Thank for you. your Elizabethan level of Clout. Rachel, thank you very much. And also shout out to Sky and Danny of TigerMonkeyDesigns.com featuring mm. the cheapest ad on the market. They're offering $10 once off purchase something. Shit, hold on. They're Purchasing $50 or more. Oh my God. $10 off. $10 off, comma. Purchase of $50 or more with the promo code GALS. And they requested I did their shout out, and they did not know how badly <laughs> I'd fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> so check out tigermonkeydesigns.net, all spelled Incredible. the way you think it would be. I checked promo out their website. They've got some cool shit. Mm -hmm. Cool artwork. I love it. Okay, Helen Santoro, San Diego, Wales, San Diego. vagina. You are pledging an incredible amount of $50 a month. Why? Yep, honey, I don't know, yep, but we really That's appreciate you, it. Helen. We love you. We, our, our love can be bought, and you just did. Yep. And you got um, it. And if you are like all of my exes and terrified of commitment, you can be like Allison Wentela. And donate a once-off donation of your choice on our Big Cartel website. You just go to whiningcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com and you can donate there. And that's amazing. That's it's dope. Mozzarella sticks in our pockets. So One many. thing I will say is that we are an independent podcast. So, yes, we have mm -hmm. ads. Some people wonder why we have ads. We have ads because we are three human beings and we have all left our full-time jobs and the podcast we gotta eat. is now our full-time job and we are indie babies. So when you give us mm -hmm. money, it goes to the three of us. It does not go to some like big wig in a corner mm -hmm. office somewhere at a podcast network. It allows us to pay our rent and keep making content for you, beauties. Yes. And we want to keep doing it. And, and we want to tour. That requires money, too. And we really, really, really fucking appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. We love One you. One more thing. We really love you. I Ooh, got what? a joke. No. And I I'm starting to hate. You'll <laughs> like jokes. this one because it has a dirty word in it. Oh, okay. I'm ready. And it actually is sort of related to your case. <laughs> Okay. Handy, handy. So a cop on a horse is riding down the street. He sees a little girl on a bike, and he pulls his horse over and goes, Did Santa get you that? In a patronizing tone that only a male police officer can give to Possibly a young muster. woman. Ugh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, he did, replied the little girl. Well, the cop said, you should ask him to get you a reflector for it next year and gave her a fine for $5. The little girl looked up at the cop and said, Nice horse you got there, sir. Did Santa bring you that? The cop chuckled and replied, He sure did. <laughs> I 
of an asshole. Yeah. The little girl says, well, next year you should tell Santa that the dick goes under the horse and not on top of it. Oh, <laughs> get sleigh baby. Yes, slay, yes, 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 yes. Nap, little girl on a bike. I like it. I like it. Love it. All right. All right, y'all. All right, See you next, next week. week. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have wine recommendations or creepy true crime stories to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. More importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. We are a totally independent show, so if you'd like to support us and get a shout-out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Murder or a freak accident? A cover-up or just rumor? On November 19th, 2011, after a night out with friends, 20-year-old Jalea Davis was struck by her own car and found lying in the passing lane of I-77. Her car found three-tenths of a mile north of her body. Her clothes, found lying over the guardrail. Her friends, the granddaughter of the former sheriff and the son of a former police officer. The rumors, running wild. My name is Emily, and this all took place in my hometown. So, I started digging. Mile marker 181 is an investigative journey through the details surrounding the suspicious death of Jalea Davis, which was ultimately ruled an accident by the local sheriff's department. Each episode, I go over the case documents, compare timelines and alibis, analyze phone records, speak with Jalea's family, and sometimes even uncover new information. You can listen to Mile Marker 181 anywhere you get your podcast. Listen to the facts and then decide for yourself. Accident or murder? Murder.